I'd like to call tonight's meeting to order and ask Sarah to call roll, please. We got these. I don't know if we got that one, Sarah. Yes. <laughs> yep. Yep. <coughs> Okay, Steve Wernke. Uh, Brian Kelly. Present. Andrew. Benjamin. Here. Trevor Shire. Here. Dolores. Here. Carl Kohler. Peter Flint. Here. Roberta Marshall. Here. Jeff Pettis. Present. And Greg Yeager. Here. Thank you. <clears throat> Second item on the agenda tonight is public comment period. If any members from the public are here tonight to speak about anything not on tonight's agenda, just to address the planning commission on whatever topic, you may do so by going to the podium and give us any comments that you have. Not seeing any, we'll close that. <laughs> Next item is approval of the minutes from April 18th. Are there any changes, corrections, additions, or deletions? <coughs> Motion? So moved. Second. I'm sorry, who is the. Oh. Andy. Second. And Those in favor of the motion say yes. 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 Those opposed say no. Chair votes yes. And approval of the May 2nd minutes. Changes, corrections. I move we approve the minutes as written. Brian, make a motion. Is there a second? Second. Greg, on the second. <coughs> Discussion? Those in favor of the motion say yes. 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 Those opposed say no. And the chair votes yes. <coughs> Next item on the agenda is the Dorothy property final plan unit development. Petitioner, yeah. your turn. Clicker, because he's going to get it. Good evening, my name is Peter Patton with Patton Associates representing the applicant tonight. Uh, also here from Four Points Engineering is Joe Wiedemeyer and Jim Stegmeyer uh, with Yampa Valley Engineering. So that's our, our team for tonight that we are, are here to uh, make a presentation and answer your questions. Um, the Doherty PUD, the items before you tonight are the final PUD plan and the lot line adjustment. We've also applied for a floodplain development permit that will be handled administratively. All right, either I'm doing something wrong or we have a. I might have to do it for you here. First, you'll be Next slide. Now, if you don't have a, if the pointer doesn't work, I have a pointer in my briefcase. The pointer should work, however, this is not. It's not. 
It might work now. So, a uh, little bit about the background of this project. It's, uh, this has uh, been in process for a while, and our project goal. Uh, so, this lot, there's actually two of them, uh, but the northerly lot, the one we're going to call lot one, uh, is currently zoned PUD, but there's no definition to the PUD because the process uh, years ago before the PUD was started but not completed. So it's kind of a gray zone in terms of what happens out there and what uses are uh, actually approved, and, and so the zoning is, is kind of cloudy. Um, so the conceptual PUD was approved by this board and the county commissioners about a year and a half ago. Um, we followed that up with uh, this application for the final PUD. Uh, been working a lot with staff uh, over the last few months, and so we are here this evening for approval for the final PUD and the um, lot line adjustment, which is pretty simple. We'll get into that. Uh, and then we'll move on to the Board of County Commissioners. Um, so with the zone district being kind of gray and cloudy, uh, one of the goals is to clear up, provide some definition to the zoning on this property. Um, so the two pieces involved, um, the lower piece is the nursery, that the nursery site, Snow Country Nursery, uh, there's no proposal to change that at all, but it is part of the proposal with the exception of the lot line adjustment. And then the the, the lot one, the Doherty parcel, uh, is kind of in this area, and the principal, uh, as you'll see, our site plan, the principal use is for storage. Uh, and the, the other components are to provide some public benefit here by uh, extending an easement. This is the end of the core trail right there. Extend that through the site, uh, which is a high priority for the city to extend that core trail. And also, we're surrounded by north and south, Mount, Mount Warner Water, so we've been working a lot with them. And so there would be a 20-foot easement along with the core trail, uh, and that would provide them with a very important raw water line for them through the property. So here's the site location. Uh, again, this is the existing lot one, and you just saw that on the aerial. So here's kind of the boundary. Obviously, this is the Christian Center here. River Place is here. Mount Werner Water Infiltration Gallery here. Nursery, and that so that nursery site goes over across to the west side of the river. Currently, it's just this long, narrow parcel. So there's 9.3 acres total. Okay, obviously um, the river is flowing this way, so we're upgrading from the Mount Werner Water Infiltration Gallery, and, and we're taking that very seriously. And you'll see a presentation this evening from Joe about what we're uh, doing uh, for water quality. Uh, the terminal of the core trail is here. The uh, city just adopted a uh, recreation master plan that made it a very high priority to extend that through this site. 
so they can continue the, the southerly path. Uh, so this is 4.3 acres, and uh, let's see, this is about five. Not yet. <laughs> try, try, we'll tell you when you can ask a question. Um, this is just a Google aerial view of the of the property. So again, nursery, and then uh, the lot one Doherty property. That's obviously the parking lot for the church. So this is like a property line here. There's an existing uh, balloon launch area here uh, that is actively used. River obviously is bisecting the property at ground level. Not real exciting, but that's what it is. It's flat. Uh, it's previously had some fill on it. There's a road there that's, uh, this is the gate. Come on, red light. Oop. That's the gain to get into the property back there, and so the balloon launch guys use that, and they launch back up in here, but that's obviously looking kind of um, to the east there, southeast. Um, so it's, it's, not a, it's not a beautiful piece of property, with the exception, of course, of the river area and the riparian area. <coughs> All right, so what are we doing? We're, we're, we're going to, uh, we're proposing the storage units on both sides of the river. Here's a pot of storage units cross over the existing bridge and another pot of storage units, 157 total. Uh, access through Doherty Road, which of course goes out here to US 40. Again, no change down here on the nursery. Um, I colored in the open space parcel there. That is 37% of the property, 25% required. Um, so the, obviously the strategy there is to protect the river with open space and, and uh, plant that area uh, with riparian vegetation and keep the, uh, the storage areas uh, out of uh, proximity to the river. Uh, these are pipes for the sand filter system that Joe is going to describe. Down here, we have proposed a, uh, a building envelope for a caretaker unit that would uh, function as security, somebody on site to uh, uh, look over the, the operation. Um, also, we are proposing to provide an emergency access easement between the two properties which are currently not connected, so uh, emergency access would be achieved down through here, connecting down to this existing gravel drive and out through the nursery. So we feel that's an added benefit. Um, another uh, uh, environmental uh, component to this is, and I didn't, I didn't put it in here, it's, it's just there's a, uh, well there's a house right there actually. So we're gonna connect we're going to connect that house. We're going to take out the septic leach field system that's right there, and we're going to connect that up into the church um, for the sewer line. And uh, we've been working with them. It looks like you know they're agreeable to that. We haven't finalized it, but um, that's another nice cleanup here of this site that, that um, 
that we like. Oh, let me go back and talk um, quickly about <laughs> this uh, approach to the bridge and the, the surfacing there. Um, we've bounced back and forth between pavement and gravel there. We, the, the county actually has a regulation that would require that to be paved. So we proposed to pay that, and then working with the city on our water protection permit, which Joe will talk a little bit more about, um, they said, well, if you put gravel there, you, because it's in the floodway, we would like that better because there's permeability, okay, rather than paving it and having the surface run off. So although it's shown as paved in our plans, we would actually prefer that the Planning Commission approve uh, gravel for those approaches to that bridge area um, to work with the city as best we can on all the water quality aspects. So the lot line adjustment is, is pretty simple. Um, again, the, so those existing lots are in the red boundary, okay? This one long and skinny goes across the river, which really doesn't make any sense because that lot doesn't have any access across the river. So uh, the green is what we're proposing, is that then the westerly boundary of lot two would end in the middle of the river, and that would be uh, that lot, which I've got a table coming up here for the acreages, and then lot one, the new lot one, would be in the green there. So pretty simple, but it, it does kind of make sense uh, in terms of uh, access. And so here is, excuse me, the PUD, the areas, and a little bit about dimensional standards. Um, so we've got the existing acreages: lot one, five, lot two, the nursery, four point three. We got nine point three. And then, uh, so lot one grows a little bit, lot two shrinks a little bit, uh, percentages there. The zoning, um, so the zoning on lot two is AF right now. And we're, the only rezoning here is, the only real rezoning is the AF to the PUD. This is an undefined PUD to, <laughs> to a defined PUD, so I guess. That, that, that is technically a little bit of a rezone, but, but that's, uh, that's the extent of the, the zoning change, really, right there. Uh, and then our open space is 37% uh, of the site. There's actually more open space, as you can see, on the site plan, but this is the designated open space for the PUD. Um, setbacks, uh, basically 10 feet on all sides. Um, zero on um, the southeast of lot one and southwest of lot two. And then the building heights are really just built around um, the storage units are about 17 feet high. So that would be the building height for uh, the max on lot one. And then the caretaker unit, uh, the building height max on that would be 35. And then lot two, again, the nursery, uh, there's a building on that site that's about 22, 23 feet high, so I just rounded it out to 25 because we're not proposing anything on that. So, Joe, do you want to come up and talk about um, the, 
Uh, good evening. Uh, my name is Joe Wiedemeyer. I'm an engineer at Four Point Serving and Engineering. So uh, I'm going to talk a little bit about our mitigation for um, this this proposed development. So uh, let's see here. So that's our project location right here. This is a image from uh, the Steamboat Springs uh, watershed or municipal well study that was performed by Leonard Rice. And as you can see, we are right next to the Mount Warner water well fields, which are just directly north of us. Um, as Peter mentioned earlier, we, we do take uh, this this very seriously, uh, the mitigation efforts and this in this project. Um, so we do want to provide something that is going to be safe and protect against any kind of potential pollutants or contaminants that could, uh, you know, uh, be developed from this. Uh, one thing we did notice uh, that there was a, a there was a storage unit. Uh, company DBRK storage units located, um, I guess, just under half a mile or 2,600 feet from the Mount Warner water wells. Um, they are located within the two-year infiltration zone. Um, they did get a watershed protection permit approval, and there are currently uh, storage units um, located right about there. Okay, so I'm going to first talk about our water quality system for uh, stormwater runoff. So, what I, I, I designed this uh, system, did all the grading, and basically what we are proposing are five sand filter units, um, and these are for urban drainage and flood control district specifications. Uh, this is a blow up of the site plan. It's you can see that this is the sand, one of the sand proposed sand filter units right here. So basically, all surface runoff from the proposed asphalted areas and the rooftops of the storage units would be collected in one of these five sand filter units. Um, one thing we are proposing as part of these sand filter units, and very similar to what DeepRK has, is a uh, impermeable membrane underneath these sand filters. So this would restrict any groundwater or infiltration um, of stormwater runoff into the sand filter units into the groundwater. So basically, what would happen? Um, I'll go to this next slide because I'll show you a detail here. So this is a detail directly from uh, Urban Drainage and Flood Control District. Uh, for a sand filter unit. So basically what happens is you have water that uh, flows into the sand filter unit and then it goes through a filtration process through a layer of uh, sand filtration media right here. And then these would be under drains. And then at the bottom here where it says filter material, see table, uh, we would propose a impermeable membrane and so that would keep any flow and anything within the flow contained within that sand filter unit. And so it would go through a filtration process and then it would uh, outfall um, into this pipe right here. And then those pipes flow directly into the Amber River after they go through their treatment process. This is also another one up here that collects runoff from this area.
In addition, uh, we have proposed a spill containment system, which basically consists of a network of pipes uh, that feed into a basically what is going to be a modified sand oil interceptor. So the purpose of this is to basically contain anything, uh, any kind of hazardous spill that could potentially occur within a storage unit. So basically it's collection, it's a collection network and chemical, chemical holding. Uh, we're proposing drains in each of the 157 storage units. And so these would be three inch drains and they would be part of the collection network. Um, we did size these sand oil interceptors um, according to city municipal code for uh, establishments that could that would contain uh, vehicles and uh, things like oil and gasoline. But I should note that we're it would be prohibited from people would be or customers would be prohibited from being able to store any kind of chemical or chemical liquid in these storage units or motor vehicles for that instance. But we, as Peter said, we do take this very seriously. We realize that we cannot monitor everything that goes in and out of the units. So, okay. um, so yeah, so we're, this is just, uh, this is a redundancy right here. This is our chemical uh, containment system. And this is just a, a blow up of our utility plant. And this shows basically we have a three inch drain going uh, down the middle of each unit. Uh, those drains or those pipes um, feed into a sand interceptor. And basically, that uh, we would plug that outlet point with non shrink grout or something. Okay, well, I guess I'll uh, hand this off to you. Okay. So, uh, as you're aware, this project, as Joe pointed out, is in the watershed protection zone. I guess that's what they call that map. So, we are required to get a watershed protection permit from the city. We've been working with them. We made a submittal several months ago to them. Um, the letter that's in your packet was written by uh, John Snyder. Um, they were not convinced that, that what we originally proposed was was uh, meets their ordinance. So we met with them, and and we had a very productive meeting with them. And we have now revised our proposal just recently and to, to what Joe just described with the sand filter, and have resubmitted to the city, the water protection permit as of yesterday. So that's where we are in process with that. And again, the uh, system that we're proposing is very similar to the uh, system that was used at the debarquet that the city did approve uh, in 2016. So just to conclude, uh, I want to talk a little bit about access and CDOT access control plan. Um, we're good with all the conditions except for number 10. Uh, and, and, and 10 says all access shall comply with the CDOT access control plan, which really doesn't say much. Um, the plan does comply. 
um, with the plan, and and I put I put, I put Dan Rusin's comment, which came in kind of late. I don't think that it was in your packet, but uh, what Mr. Rusin is saying is that we're good for now. In the long run, the uh, access for the nursery will be right in, right out. That's what the access control plan says. But again, the fact is we're not proposing to change anything at the nursery. So there's no there's no change, there's no trigger that would kick us into needing a permit from CDOT. Um, so we need the access control plan in the future uh, when there is a trigger at that nursery access um, they would like to have access whoops, through through uh, lot one. Okay, so they're they're saying that they would like to have some kind of an access through you know Doherty Road for the nursery in the long run. So that um, that presents a little bit of concern for our client in terms of security for the storage units and having another. Uh, access road down there, but um, he understands the concern and is uh, willing to work with that lot two owner when and if uh, that that access uh, there's a trigger that causes that full access at the nursery site to then be right in right out, and that would likely uh, result in some kind of a, a separate road for the nursery along the property line. But we don't know. Um, in any case, we're asking for deletion of that uh, condition number 10 because it really is not meaningful. Um, and so that's our presentation. We obviously have our team here to answer your questions, um, and we appreciate very much your time and consideration of the project. Thanks, Peter. Um, Planning Commission, do you have questions of the petitioner at this moment? Just, just right. except, as I said, it was 2,600 feet from the deep uh, RK to the well field. This is adjacent to the well field, well field, correct? Correct. On the north side, so correct. basically zero. And when would you anticipate approval or some feedback from John Snyder on the revised sand? Trap design. Uh, I think we got a response in about four weeks. So the last, the last, the last go round. And I resubmitted uh, an application this week. So I mean, I can't exactly say when I can expect to receive a response, but my guess would be three or four weeks. Good. Um, I had a question about the. Um, <clears throat> you said that uh, the storage units are not allowed to have store hazardous materials, but am I correct in, in you saying also that there's kind of no inspection or enforcement of that? No, not really. Well, no, yeah, not necessarily, but uh, I mean, really what we're proposing as far as the, you know, containment for stormwater and containment for uh, inside the units is really just a safeguard against that because, you know, Hey Joe. Could Joe, could you go to the mic? Yeah, yeah. Just so you could. Um, 
So, right. I mean, we would, I guess, as, as part of the you know agreement to use the storage units, you would not be allowed to store vehicles, motor vehicles, um, any kind of motorized piece of equipment, uh, hazardous chemicals, or anything of that nature. But you know, what we are proposing is a safeguard for that measure. You know, in the event that you know that might happen, you know, God forbid. But that's what that's what that is. It's a safeguard. Thank you, Roberta. What uh, what is the maintenance routine for the the two different types of interceptors? Right, uh, that's that's something that we have uh, discussed, and we would propose developing some kind of a maintenance agreement or some kind of maintenance schedule that the caretaker. Uh, for the lot would um, be responsible for. And that would most likely involve, you know, routinely checking the, uh, the sand oil interceptors for those containment units, you know, say on a monthly basis, you know, checking to see if there is, was any possible spill and if there is any kind of fluid or liquid inside of them, um, as well as, you know, just, uh, you know, annual inspection of the sand filter units because those do require uh, an annual inspection. And um, I don't know if you can address this or if you need, you need to answer this question, but I, I'm curious as to why the water district wouldn't provide this site with water and sewer to begin with. That's a question for the water district, or Jim. Maybe you know the answer to that. I that it is on the district, correct? Oh, there's Frank. Would you like me to answer that one? Frank's here. <laughs> I'm, I'm Frank Alpo, and the general manager with Mount Warren Water. Um, the existing property is outside of the district boundaries. So um, we don't normally provide service unless we have an agreement in place. Uh, right now, we do not have an agreement in place. So that's the main reason there's no services offered by Mount Warner Water in Sam. And did the district ever consider purchasing this, this portion of the property? This predates me a little bit, but there is correspondence I've seen that, yes, there were some discussions in the past. I have a question for Peter. Um, I know the public is using that bridge currently, but do you have any engineering on that bridge? Is it, is it to what standard, I guess? I think Jim can answer that. So the bridge... I'm Jim Stegmeyer from Yampa Valley Engineering. The bridge was engineered by Greg Herman, and it was, uh, I believe, I'm guessing a little bit, a railroad car uh, steel, and so it was certified to a certain load that actually meets the fire department standard. So it was engineered. We do have engineering on it um, that I have that needs to be scanned somewhere. You know, fine. Thank you. Is that the original bridge? That's been there for 20 plus years? Yes. I thought it got resurfaced or it had a different surface on it previously. I'm thinking back, I can't remember exactly. But yes, railroad. I believe it was an old railroad yes. car. Somebody over there, Bill? Uh, do you have a fire suppression plant? 
just bump up the river or got electrical back there. And if you did have gas, there was an accident. Uh, I'm just curious. We do not have a fire suppression plan per se, uh, but the uh, Doug Schaefer has made comments that uh, the, the regulations will require a fire hydrant on the west side of the property, most likely. Both sides. Um, that's about all we know. And then, you know, Doug says, well, we have to meet the regulations, but but we we understand we're going to need to um, meet the regulations regarding fire hydrants. Anything else? Um, I believe the, the current guardhouse or whatever that's on the um, in the gardening center is the one that you said is connected to sewer and water and, or is going to be under a special deal with the water district. But what about this? There was a, I, I guess it's not really planned yet, but a potential for a second guardhouse on one of the new lots. It was shown earlier in the plans. How's that going to be set up or not for sewer and water? Yeah, uh, Mount Warner Water has agreed to service that caretaker unit. The second one? Well, there's yes. currently one. There's going to be one. We've posed a building envelope on the west side for a caretaker unit near the storage units, and they have agreed to service that. Just like the one that's currently in the garden center? Well, the one that's currently in the garden center, uh, that house and uh, Leachfield have been there for many years. And we're simply proposing to abandon the Leachfield and connect that into a sewer line that is existing in the church parking lot. Okay. But did you get the answer about the sewer on the west side? Yeah, we, we proposed a preliminary uh, bridge crossing. It would be, um, we, we proposed a, a it was a two-inch low, or I guess low-pressure um, sewer service, so it would be serviced by a grinder pump. And that would pump into the uh, one of the sewers located on Doherty Road, closer to the Christian Center. We also have the water service lines we proposed on the opposite side of the bridge. Um, those details have yet to be finalized. Uh, like I said, they're preliminary, but what we are proposing is basically those utilities would be housed in a carrier pipe and they would be uh, outfitted with uh, heat tape to uh, mitigate against freezing. Andy. Peter, uh, is there a reason why this wasn't all combined into one lot in this process? Was it simply a sales aspect of maybe selling off that other lot or? Well, uh, the I'm going to try to answer this, and you correct me if I'm wrong, because Jim's got the history, but the nursery is a separate business. Yep. It needs to have its own defined area and operate on its own. And then the storage business is going to be a separate business, so it makes sense to give each one a lot. I just, I see in my mind, I'm, I'm wondering, you know, down the road, is there a process to come back in whereas the rest of that would become additional storage units? 
like if can once the PV process is complete, it's maybe more of a thing for staff. Yeah, but that's good as staff. Can you, you know, is that a possibility that it could become additional units going up the other direction? Staff. Yeah. We're good. Can I add? Uh, can I add one thing quickly? Yes. Um, thank you, Christy, for putting this slide up to remind me that um, that. The site plan that I presented tonight and that we want to approve is slightly different from what you have in your packet right here. Okay. Um, recently, we discovered that in the wetland mapping had a wetland located in this location. So the site plan that's in the packet that we originally submitted has that core trail coming down in this area through that wetland and so we have revised our plan to move that core trail and the waterline easement slightly to the east to avoid that wetland. So the, the plans that we have presented this evening are, are the ones that we want to prove. So I just, I just want to make that clear if somebody sees the difference in that alignment. Thank you. Peter, you referenced a waterline. What waterline in that section? Uh, we're providing um, Mount Warner Water has asked for a 20-foot easement through the property for a, a raw water line, and uh, that is going to be the same easement as the core trail. So that uh, is the that to 20-foot easement for the core trail and the water line. Okay, Christy, what say you? So the staff report and Peter covered the detail and overview of the application. I'll be addressing process, address some of your comments uh, that came up, um, along with main points and conditions of approval. Um, this application includes the following elements. Peter went over the lot line adjustment and final TUD that also includes the change of zone. Procedurally, in the past, you would have considered a change of zone um, independently through an application and also through um, some findings of fact, uh, a separate motion, even though it was reviewed concurrently. If you recall, most recently, we addressed this through our housekeeping amendments to streamline the process. And because a PUD and a change of zone, you review the same criteria, it was thought best that um, this would be handled through the conceptual portion of the application and you would make a specific findings of fact and there wouldn't have to be a separate motion. This application was already in the pipe uh, for that and you already heard the conceptual. So you are now considering the change of zone as part of the final and this also needs to go to Board of County Commissioners for the change of zone, where normally a final PUD wouldn't be seen by Board of County Commissioners because it um, already would have been decided during conceptual. So this is a little bit different, but there doesn't need to be a separate motion for the change of zone. Simply there would be a finding of fact, which is included in your, in your packet, stating that the final PUD, the, for the final PUD, that the criteria for a change of zone has been met if this were approved. 
Also, part of this application, um, there will be conditions of approval if approved by the floodplain development permit be obtained. This is a process that's handled administratively by staff through our floodplain administrator. In the same way that the city is requiring a watershed management permit. As you saw in your staff brief uh, packet, and Peter did address that there are concerns from the city and Mount Waterwater with respect to obtaining this permit. As of recently, the applicants have redesigned their engineering, as they explained, to include the sand filtration system, similar to what most of you saw for the DVRK storage units. Um, whether or not uh, this will be approved is, you know, um, really up in the air at this point in time. But it is a more robust design, and it is made a condition of this approval. So the intent of the PUD regulations is to allow flexibility in development. It's intended to promote community amenities such as active or passive open spaces and functional land use and design. It is a site-specific plan, and a key piece to this application is that the applicants are proposing part of their open space requirement, which is over that 25%, I believe they're proposing over 27% open space. A portion of that will be for a 20-foot easement for an extension of the port trail. It also will allow an easement for Mount Water Water to um, have pipes go across the property to their wellhead protection area. This conceptual PUD was previously approved by the Florida County Commissioners. You all saw this back in 2017. At that time, it included land for each um, of the lot that straddled the, um, the Yamper River, and there was a shared access via bridge to lot one. And this basically was a configuration that you saw before. This is the, the basis for the lot line adjustment application, which this is the new configuration, which does make a lot more sense, thereby not requiring or the need for access from lot two to lot one to access the area on the opposite side of the Amber River. Um, so they're consolidating the area west of the river into one lot. The new configuration allows for the applicant to comply with the access control, um, uh, the access control plan. Peter did get into that detail, and you all were provided an updated comment letter from CDOT explaining how Lot One is following the access control plan, thereby having access out all onto Darby Road from the storage units. And now, with this new proposal, or revised proposal, lot two for the existing nursery, the use is not changing, and that access isn't changing either. Um, staff would recommend considering a condition to replace condition number 10, which Peter addressed, saying that they need to abide by the access control plan. Perhaps a suggested condition would be to address feature access, and that could be, um, 
coming up with criteria that an access easement, in the event that CDOT closes the existing lot access, lot one shall provide access to lot one for purposes of egress and ingress. So that's something that um, as we move forward um, with this discussion that you may want to consider as an added condition of approval. Uh, this is the plan that Peter was just discussing as an overview of other elements to discuss. The applicant is eliminating an existing leach field on lot two for that existing dwelling unit, um, which will be a caretaker unit on lot two. Um, I mentioned they're including in their open space requirement the extension of the core trail. As you have heard, the site is upgrading from the community well fields and falls within the watershed protection area. Therefore, there are concerns by the city and Mount Warner Water, and I'm sure they'll speak to that. However, as I mentioned, there has been a change to the engineering that may or may not satisfy their concerns. As far as architectural elements and visual concerns, the storage units are located behind the existing church. The applicants had proposed on building seven, a more architectural pleasing design with a doghouse dormer on both sides. Um, I don't have a pointer on me, but um, number seven, Peter, could you point to building seven, please? It's the, it's the closest one to the river on the eastern portion of the site. Oh, you have it up there? Yeah. No. No. Now. Oh. Oh. This one. Okay. So this one is proposed to have this artificial pleasing design. Staff would recommend that you consider also buildings eight and nine which are these two as well, which are the closest to Highway 40. Um, last city planning on the opinion that the PUD doesn't conform to the Steamboat Springs Area Community Plan, which designates this site to be designated for neighborhood residential low. Um, elements of that zoning category have to do with single family and small scale type residences as well as live-work type residences and home offices. The applicant is proposing two caretaker units. You can take that into consideration, as well as, as part of the conceptual, there were specific findings of fact that were made to say that this application being in this unique situation, um, being that it's eligible for annexation, that they wanted water, wouldn't extend pipes for more than one residence. Um, they're really limited to what they can propose on this property that it was found to be in compliance with the area plan. Uh, Peter mentioned that there is a requirement for this site to be asphalt, um, which is what the original proposal was. If you were to consider gravel in lieu of the asphalt, 
um, because this is site specific, um, they're, they're just that needs to be addressed in the approval if this moved forward. As far as the bridge, um, the bridge is concerns of safety um, for that existing bridge would be addressed under condition of approval number 13, having to do with the fire district. I spoke with the building department today on this issue, and um, he agreed that um, because it already exists, that it wouldn't be a building department issue, that it would fall under the fire district, and they would be reviewing the uh, bridge for safety and, and specifically wait for the fire trucks um, to access over this bridge. So condition number 13 um, addresses access and also fire hydrant. So those were some of the concerns that they brought up. So I feel that condition of approval does address safety concerns for the bridge. Um, I mentioned a possible condition of approval to reflect the CDOT comments. And last, to address Andy's point about if this were to change, um, if there were a proposal to change the uses, a PUD is site-specific. So there is a condition of approval that lists out exactly what uses are allowed on this site. Any changes to the PUD would have to go through an amendment process. And based on what those changes that are proposed, would determine the level, whether it's a minor <laughs> amendment or it would be a major amendment to the PUD. Good? Yes. Thank you. I have a question for Peter. Um, can you see the westerly uh, lot one? From Highway 40? I don't think so. You don't have any photographs? Maybe, uh, the... No, I do I don't. It's just glass. Behind the picture. See the property from Highway 40? It's a long... My question is... My, my question is, you've got several buildings that are from 110 feet to 240 feet in length uh -huh. in a single structure. And what I'm trying to determine is from your position, if I'm coming down Highway 40, am I going to be looking at 240 feet of a storage unit? Uh, let's go to the site plan. I, the remote isn't here. Uh, right. <laughs> <laughs> Is mine loaded up? Um, nope. Would you prefer yours? I can do uh, that. Does that work? I think so. So, Troy, I'm trying to understand your question. Uh, let's go actually back to that. So you're saying you're asking about visual impacts from possibly right in here, looking here, looking back to here? Well, it could come even further south. 
down by the 40 button. I'm not sure. I mean, I, I didn't make it out there today, but it, it seems a rather straightforward kind of question. We all travel that highway, and it seems to me that I can see, probably not if you're the driver, but if you're the passenger or if you're headed south, north coming in. Here's my question. If you have a landscape, are you planning any landscaping to mitigate any sort of visual impact? No, okay. we don't believe there is any visual impact. I mean, the, the property is flat as a pancake. Uh, and so, no, I get that. And these buildings here, I mean, Jim, Jim's more familiar with the property. Maybe you want to speak to this. But isn't the highway at a higher elevation than the property? And then when you put a, a 20, or excuse me, a 13-foot building, am I going to see that 13-foot building? Can you see it from right over Jim, Jim, please. Um, so we have a height on um, that area of the storage areas of 17 feet. That was only for that one facade mm -hmm. building we were talking about. The rest would be about 12 feet tall. Um, and you are... Good ways back, but yeah, you, you could see that way back there. Uh, we'll probably blend in with the landscape behind it because it'll be, you know, earth tone colors. It's not going to be you know, much of a visual impact. In our okay. Thank you. Um, anybody else? Questions for either staff or the petitioner at this point? John. Uh, Christy, yeah. since this proposal shares a similar proximity to the water area, uh, have there been any complaints in, that you can recall uh, with regard to the DMRK storage or the, uh, the garden center as far as water issues? Um, not made to the county, no. I'm not aware of any. Uh, Peter, um, I have a question for John Snyder if he's present, or I guess Frank if he's not. I'm Michelle Carr with the city. I work with John Snyder. Okay, I'm, I'm concerned because John's April letter um, really voices some extremely strong opposition to this project based on water quality. Um, can you speak to that and whether or not the petitioner has addressed those concerns to your satisfaction? Thank you. Uh, again, my name is Michelle Carr. I'm the distribution and collection manager for the city of Steamboat Springs. Um, working together with John Snyder and our water resources manager, Kelly Romero Heaney, we put together the findings of uh, the letter which you see in your document. Uh, we do have some concerns about uh, the use and uh, its incompatibility with the, lo the location that is proposed. Uh, what they have done, um, I, I commend them that they have gone above and beyond uh, proposing um, some very, uh, you know, extreme controls. And in any other situation and in any other location, we would we would see those as more than adequate. However, given the very close proximity to the uh, infiltration galleries. Um, we have we we have concerns even with what they've proposed. Now, um, they, in addition to our concerns, we have uh, 
not wanting to completely um, disregard their efforts, we have uh, are working on a contract right now with a consultant, uh, a hydrogeologist, a professional hydrogeologist, to take a look at what they're proposing and their controls um, to either uh, confirm or uh, alleviate our, our concerns right now. Um, and that process is underway. We're contracting with Leonard Rice to take a look at it. Uh, however, uh, based on our knowledge um, and what they and what they have proposed, again, we do have concerns mainly because of the location. Uh, and they have mentioned that DBRK is uh, within the two-year zone of contribution uh, based on previous uh, hydrogeologic study that we've had done for the water protection uh, plan. Uh, however, DBRK is right on the very edge of it, and when you look at the, the zones of contribution, they're basically contour lines. And when you look at the location where the, the applicant is proposing, they're basically with, easily within the one year of con uh, zone of contribution, um, if you were to interpolate the, the contours. Um, therefore, what we would be looking for is an absolute fail-safe uh, sort of controls, which, uh, based on our knowledge of other sites, uh, in my previous life I did spill control containment plans for uh, facilities such as uh, storage facilities um, for, uh, according to the EPA requirements. And oftentimes I would run into facilities that had no idea that these controls even existed after multiple turnovers of, turnovers of management, uh, nor did they realize that they were there or that they had to maintenance in, in any way. Um, and once you have those controls that have failed, um, you're well in, within six months of something uh, coming out of that reaching our drinking water infrastructure, which um, would be upwards of millions of dollars in expense to the city and Mount Warren water, uh, as well as um, impacting a redundant source of water desperately needed in case of a wildfire in our uh, Fish Creek watershed. Those were our concerns, but like I said, uh, we are appreciative of the efforts that they've gone to, and we certainly want to confirm our, our um, concerns with uh, hydrogeologists through this uh, study that we're going to have. So, so at this time, you don't have the results of that consultation? We are under contract. Right. But again, looking at the hydrogeologic study that was done to develop these zones of contribution, um, and based on my knowledge of hydrogeology, as well as the water resources manager, and what what it is called a zone of contribution, meaning that if you're within the one year zone of contribution, you place a drop of contaminant on the surface, you have one year before that reaches your infiltration levels, which are nearly 30 feet below the ground. So in spite, in spite of their efforts to design systems to contain spills, how strong would you say your opposition is to approving this at this time with the information that we have? Uh, like, like I said, we, we would like to get an outside uh, third party, uh, uh, somebody to advise us that uh, we're either correct or we're incorrect in our concerns. Uh, and again, uh, based on the fact that there's no way to um, maintain that these are 100% fail-safe, the, the controls that they've put into place, 
um, that they're going to be continuously managed and maintenanced over time as the property turns over and management turns over. Uh, we, we have strong concerns uh, based on the absolute uh, critical nature of the location that they're in with proximity to our city's drinking water. So, Michelle, based upon your experience, and, and I don't know exactly what you're looking for from your consultant, but what more could be done? In other words, what would the consultant advise to be done? Oh, they, I don't know that they're going to advise. They're going to tell us whether or not our concerns are valid or not, if these, con if these controls could uh, truly uh, prevent, which uh, they're not going to be able to address the nature of the maintenance and the continued maintenance of these things. Um, our, our concerns are basically that the, the use is incompatible with the location. Thank you. Jeff? Yeah, Michelle, there's a condition of approval that's in the staff report that the applicant shall obtain a project protection permit from the city's public works department prior to recordation. So if your third-party consultant basically you know, frowns upon this application, it seems like the city would have the team to say no and not necessarily this process. I mean, it, the goal is to get us all on the same page. Exactly, exactly. That would, if that's what they would come back with uh, to confirm that our concerns are accurate, um, then we would, we would deny the again because we have already and based on our ordinance we do feel like we do have the teeth to do that now not that we want to use teeth at all does the um, the city's uh, watership protection permit uh, ever anticipate um, kind of a annual or every six months uh, the owner of the property providing uh, maintenance Reports? Have you ever done something like that on, on this, the, this kind of permit? The city has not, but again, uh, in my experience, those things, you know, depending, if city staff turns over, management staff turns over, those things could fall by the wayside easily. And as far as our abilities and our uh, um, to, to manage this over time, we okay. just don't have the staff ability to do such a thing as that. Okay. Thank you. Currently. Andy. Since you're up there, do the majestic townhomes and the other development right next door also fall within that one-year zone of influence? They do, and they follow. Uh, they fall into a more compatible use, according to our watershed protection permit and ordinance. So, residential use is a Lo lower is a lower use. intensity, right? <clears throat> and that did obtain necessary watershed protection permits? I assume so. I was not a part of it if uh, that was probably before. And then time. do you know if the gas station also falls within that zone of influence? Which gas station? Shell. The Shell. Or Exxon. <laughs> is it Exxon or is it, or is it still Shell? Unwise drive. It's downgraded, yeah. But in a flood situation. Okay, cool. Very good. Thank you for your time. I just had one question for me. Um, your permits that are issued, um, they could be attached with conditions of approval, correct? I believe so, yeah. 
Thank you. Bill. Quick question for Christy. Uh, you mentioned uh, that another condition that Peter had brought up about gravel on the bridge. Mm -hmm. Was that contained in uh, the new language for condition 10, or did were you suggesting we make a whole new condition? Gravel on the bridge. Um, I think there are two different issues you may be seeing. Yeah. Um, so condition number 10 has to do with the access control plan. Um, that didn't have to do with gravel. Okay. That just had to do with addressing CDOT's concern that in the future there be an access easement in place from lot two to lot one. Gotcha, okay. Um, as far as the bridge is concerned, I was referring to safety, um, and that is reviewed by the fire department, which I believe is addressed in condition of approval number 13. Okay, thank you. So on that fire department thing, do they give you some sort of notice that Oh, we approved. <laughs> they provided comments that are in your staff packet. I believe it might be on the last page. Um, and that condition addresses both their comments. They are pretty general, as Peter mentioned, but I believe it covers the concern because mainly it addresses access shall meet the fire district standards. So if it didn't, you would hear from the... Or they wouldn't sign off on the building permit. Yeah, it, it goes through the round robin of a building permit review, which they'd have to apply for anyway. Okay. Last thought, Peter? Yes, thanks, Troy. Uh, on condition number eight, I just wanted to point out that I, I think it, it implies an incorrect process for that water protection permit. Michelle's here so she can confirm, but the... Um, Watershed Protection Permit Ordinance uh, requires that uh, all of these permits go to City Council for decision. The Public Works Department is only a recommendation, so that probably should should say that Michelle obtain a Watershed Protection Permit. I don't know, just from the city. city. Is that correct, Michelle? That is correct. Okay. The council has the ability to approve or disapprove uh, regardless of our uh, Thank you, Peter. Okay. Um, public. <clears throat> we'll open it up to public comment and ask you please to step up to that microphone and give us your name and any comments you may have uh, regarding the petition. Uh, Ed MacArthur, uh, adjacent property owner, uh, where the Mount Warner property is listed at the bottom of the screen there. Uh, that was a deal that um, <clears throat> I sold to Mount Warner about a year and a half ago uh, with the intent of they're going to have a, a, another well field on that piece of property in the future. And um, about five, six years ago, uh, I had worked with the city on giving them a, a way to get across my property with a trail that included them coming where the trail ends today, they were gonna put a bridge across the Yampa River and or work, uh, try to negotiate a deal with uh, 
uh, Butch Dowdery to get the trail across the river and back over onto their property where that black line is there and uh, and run the, the trail on their property over to where they would intersect me at the bottom of the, that particular map. And then I had granted them an access across the back of my property to get from there over to the Legacy Ranch, which they also own. So the city would have had control of all the properties other than that one, one piece of mine. Um, I'm here tonight to say that I have nothing against this proposal. I've got many stories on one side of me. I really don't care if it's on the other side. The, uh, the nursery has been a good neighbor for 20 years. I have no problem with that. But I want to emphatically state that there won't be a, a trail come across the middle of my property under any circumstance. And what's going to, what I see happening is even if Mount Warner agrees to let it come through their well field, it's going to hit my property line on the other end and have a dead end in the middle of a piece of property with no way to get out. If you've ridden down the trail today, there's an inordinate amount of trespass that goes on getting out off that trail, getting back up to Highway 40 through private property. I don't want to have to contend with that, uh, and I'm envisioning I can see a lot of fencing going to have to happen here. So this idea that this core trail extension is a, is a great thing, I would totally disagree, and I'm quite surprised that Parks and Rec hasn't had more to say about that, because I think they're very well with the deal of how I've given them to get across my property, and it's not going to happen out in front unless they can find a way to get on the highway right away, and all that's wetland along there. I don't think that's going to happen either, and it's a 55-mile-an-hour highway, put the trail right alongside of it. That was the argument against it in the past, so I just wanted to voice my concerns on that trail. Uh, uh, your property would be south of the Mount Warner water? So Mount Warner's got about 18 acres of my original 80 acres, and so where you see the river uh, cross, there's a little flag element coming off their property uh, going back towards River Road. Um, we sold that, uh, that piece of property so that they would have the ability to bring water lines from the city uh, water wells over into this new location in the future. Um, but yes, when that, when that pink line going down there gets across the Amber River a little further down, that intersects my property at that point. And that's where I, now, I granted them an access to get across there and get the trail through. Uh, and that's what we had worked on in the past. I, it, it kind of fell by the wayside when they decided not to continue the trail a few years back. I've had no communication about it, but that's where I've granted an access. But there won't be any access granted up front. So I'm confused. You granted an access, but you're not going to grant an access. I, I don't understand the property, I guess. Um, Mr. Somebody got a laser pointer? Where, where's the laser? Paul Eagle Lake. Where does he want that? Where does he want Where does he want Okay, um, let's go back to that. Google Earth. Down right here. Okay, so originally I owned this this line and all the way down to DBRK, uh, down to where the Stars Ranch is, and then back up to this location right here. Uh, a year and a half ago, I sold Mount Warner. This piece of property that comes down about like this comes back, comes across. Uh, the intent is, is there to think about a well field possibly in here at some point in time. So when I was meeting with the city and they were looking for a way to get across here, they looked at multiple different places to come through. As most of you know, Bald Eagle Lake sits right about here. That's the middle. And so the conversation was, can we come up here and come across here? And the answer to that question is no. Um, it puts it right in the middle of my property. It's going to, uh, it, it just, it, 
it, it puts a whole lot of public in a place where I don't want the public to be for me. So there won't be an easement granted up here in the front. So we worked out a deal to where Mount, or the uh, city could bring our trails across here, either across here with a new bridge or utilize this bridge if they could negotiate a deal. And they were going to come out here on their property. There's a whole design on this trail coming out across here. Comes down, crosses the Amber River down here, and comes across the back end of the Bald Eagle Lake, and then circles through my property to get over Legacy. So this is where I granted them an access, and more than happy to continue to grant that access. Totally won't grant an access up here. It would have to get to the highway right away, which is a is probably you know not going to happen based on the speed limit out there, as well as the fact that there's a very small uh, right away out there. For get that trail into. So I am still happy to do this, unhappy to do this, and I don't want a trail dead ended right here that nobody can get out of. Okay. So those are my concerns. Okay, so the the one that you're okay with comes south, crosses the Ampa River, and then hits your property down. It would yeah, it, it would cross right here and come across my property right right at this general location. Okay. I understand. Okay. Thank you. Other public comment. Um, again, Frank Alphone, the uh, general manager with uh, Mount Warner Water. I just wanted to um, clarify a few things. Um, I believe in your packets uh, there was a copy of the district's um, conditional commitment letter, which is how we identify what would be required for us to. Um, provide water and sewer services to the caretaker unit and also provide uh, sewer services when they remove that leach field. Um, two important points in that conditional commitment letter uh, really uh, are contingent upon the city agreeing to this. The first point is uh, letter N. Um, we need, via other agreements that the district has with the city, written consent before we can provide any water or wastewater service outside of our district boundary. So that was one very important uh, um, stipulation that had to be met. The other one was uh, letter uh, T, which essentially states that uh, Mr. Dowdy uh, would have to get uh, approval of all regulations, federal, state, local, otherwise, and all permits, i.e. the watershed protection permit. We as a district do not have any type of authority to impose any sort of permitting outside of our district. The city does via their extra jurisdictional authority to approve or deny the watershed permit. So. Our goal was to at least try to get an easement through Mr. Dowdy's property, but it was completely contingent on those two, along with some other things, those two uh, items being met. So I wanted to make sure that the commission understood kind of the position that Mount Warner Water is, is in on this one. The other thing I wanted to mention, I think to your point of revert, was we have um, a watershed protection permit within our district. Majestic Townhomes is in our district, River Place is in our district, and the Southside Gas Station is in our district. Mm -hmm. We have mitigation agreements with them. 
where they are, are required to do certain things or not allowed to store certain things on their property. They can't apply fertilizers, as an example. So we have agreements with them. And, and our leverage against that not happening is we essentially will um, cut water and service off to them. We will turn the water off, to be quite honest with you. So there is a mechanism to do that. Uh, we haven't had to do that, but uh, we do have a mechanism to do that. So I wanted to at least put that out there as something that could be put in place with this. Would the district uh, be willing to oversee maintenance of these um, infiltration devices? No. No, absolutely not. <laughs> just to, to Michelle's point, it becomes a staffing issue turnover. We just don't have the manpower to do that either. So those are the two items I want to uh, bring to the commissions. Can I ask a question? So this, correct me if I'm wrong, this property sits within the UGB, right? UG anticipates future annexation and expansion. Ergo, if those things occurred, then you would be obligated to serve water to these properties. You're asking a legal question? No, I'm not a lawyer over here. <laughs> and I guess I would have to defer to our counsel, Tom Sharp. I, I don't know if that's exactly correct. So that's just because it became annexed, you wouldn't have to service it. That is, that's my understanding. Interesting. Yeah, that doesn't make any sense. We would need, I believe, and I don't want to speak out of term, but I think it's it's not that easy of a process. Oh no, I we are a special. Hey, the process being easy by any stretch of the imagination, <laughs> but. The UGB anticipates the future growth and designates the areas where we seek to have growth, and so it's only logical that then they be serviced by water. I mean, I'm, I know I'm talking logically, and that doesn't always follow the process, but it seems like that would be. And it hits onto something else, which I'll discuss later about the process, but. There would, it seems to me there would be an obligation to serve the properties if they were annexed within the city. Mm -hmm. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Sir, do you want to step up to the podium, please? Okay. Uh, my name is Will Kanish. Um, the the house where the nursery sits, the is there water service that's going to be provided to to that? Uh, is has the has the water district agreed to, to that? Because it sounds like there's two places that water is going to be split. At this time, uh, no. There is an existing well on that site which provides water to that A-frame. Um, our concern was to eliminate another contamination source, which is the leach field. So we suggested that that be removed and tied into the Christian Center uh, sewer system, if you will, which ultimately ties into our system. So. David Randall's uh, living at 810 Doherty Road. So I'm here to kind of just pitch a few conversation pieces that are going on within River Place. Um, the main concern with River Place that we kind of have with this proposal is the usage of Doherty Road, uh, primarily with the existence of Steamboat Christian Church. The church has grown. The parking lot that's currently being used is pretty much overflowing into Doherty Road, the street itself. 
during every service, during every special event or circumstance that they have something going on. So I know there were studies done about the potential impact of additional traffic flow into Doherty Road based off the needs uh, if they use Doherty as an access point for lots one and two being proposed. They're saying it's very minimal impact. The current impact as it stands is very high. There are kids, it is a neighborhood. Uh, we actually, as a neighborhood, installed speed bumps ourselves um, because of folks accessing that, that, that road at high speeds, trying to get to and from church, not getting caught in traffic. Um, primarily, too, there is a issue at times with illegal access. People are parking and accessing the river from that point, as has been mentioned. I know, Mitch, you kind of have fights with that lot, you know. Um, so we understand that there is some issues there as well. Um, if the proposal goes through, the next piece for Doherty Road is there's this conversation, I know it was mentioned here, uh, that there was no plan for trees, uh, berms of some nature. If you look at the development and the proposal, the angle at which you're coming in from Doherty Road, say from 40, and then it breaks back to the left and back to the right, heading onto that metal bridge. Um, if when traffic's leaving, they would then be putting lights directly onto the homes that, that are back there. Uh, so we have kids sleeping in bedrooms, lights. Uh, the other thing, I know it is a low light plan with a 50 foot spacing. That's not a big concern, I don't think, for a lot of, a lot of folks, as long as there's some mature trees and berms that develop. Um, and there's no business plan. I have not seen if it's a 24 7 facility. Um, is there going to be gates? Ideally, if it is, uh, we have concerns about car camping and poaching, again, going in line with the accessibility illegally to the Yamber River. Um, on top of that, uh, we do appreciate your all's time. Uh, I know you've been here all day. Uh, the other thing um, is the caretaker unit. It's being proposed at the back of the lot. We're trying to find the validity of how that is being secured. Uh, when traffic's are be entering from the front, and you have access all the way back to the caretaker unit to check in. I could access that thing if not, I even step foot on the property if there's especially no gate, be the code. Um, so the proposal would be, is there options to move that to the front lot? Secondly, when we're looking at this proposal and, and this conceptual PUD, there is this request for a lot one and a lot two. And the change would be, I guess, I forget which one's number what, if we move it to the back, so existing lot one would then be primarily on the west side of the river. My question is, is the proposal for the line change in order to acquire enough land to allow for easements on the western lot? Because to me, if we don't allow that, they he bought the land as is, and that's his right, but the land itself may not be developed. Um, so the question is, is it really worth moving that lot line? And is it doing it because there's a play here? Um, I just want to say a few things that I've kind of looked up. Basically, my wife and I bought a house there a few years ago. Uh, uncovered a few documents from the city and from Mount Waterwell. City document. In a public open space acquisition document, there is a list of properties and the priority of acquiring said properties. One being property C, which is the land that we're talking about itself. Total at that point was 27.3 acres in the south of Steamboat area. That would include three river properties adjacent to city-owned open space lands. The target land is along the Yamper River, would provide additional river access to residents and visitors, would provide a trail corridor and assist construction of the port trail south. Based off uh, the private land owner who spoke to Ed here, if we can have some sort of consideration, why are we not looking at lining 
Again, it's his land. But if we're going to make this concession, are we not going to make maybe pitch a proposal to buy that western edge of that lot, complete the core trail back to the backside, access it back through Ed, run that all the way down to Haymaker, which I think is the end goal. Um, it, again, it's immediately upstream of the community's water well field supply. An acquisition of the property would not only provide recreation, view corridor, which was discussed here today, coming in from, from 40 south in, into town, that land is visible. Also are the bald eagle nest, the great blue heron nest, that abut right next to that. And I brought some handouts, I don't know if y'all want them for the night, I'm not going to waste all your time, but they specifically show where these conservation lines are, which at some points even cross into this land. Very much so on the edge, and that's because I have a really bad computer and I can't see very well, so I may be misspeaking. Um, that being said, too, uh, Mount Warner values, um, this again is another line from this right up. Mount Warner Water values conservation of the property as a means to protect the adjacent downstream well fields, which provide water to the community. Mount Warner would, would contribute funds to the project to ensure the perpetual open space protection of the property. The city values the property for both the community's water supply and again for the recreational open space. It states the goal is to designate the said property as a parkland within the city. The focus of securing these parcels of land that are needed for the city to have continuous ownership of the Yamper River through Steamboat Springs and consistent and complete ownership, again, of Housing Hill and Emerald Mountain. Also noted is the biking accommodations tax proposal, which includes the cost of developing said trail. A water filtration gallery would also potentially be constructed, as noted in the future, just south, which is one that, that was mentioned here. And again, as I read the, doc the document, key words keep showing up, specifically protect and provide. I think these are very two key components here. Also referenced in the document was a 2005 study regarding tourist value of Route County's working landscape, completed by the Route County Cooperative Extension, found that 50% of tourists would reduce expenditures in the number of days spent in Steamboat if ranch open space lands were converted to urban uses a loss of potentially $8 million per year. This project will result in preservation and protection of some of those lands within and close to the city's limits. Tie this in with the recent article in a study uh, in the Steamboat Pilot and Today, which was dated May 30, 2019, referencing trails generate 17.3 to 24.1 million. That study was done by RPI consultants. Lastly, there's a Mount Warner Well letter dated July 24, 2015, referencing the decision to purchase the shopping hop along US 40 and, and the reasoning. Said shopping hop, as we all know, was a gas station, kind of near where the DVR, I think, you know, storage facilities were. The board made the decision to purchase the property to protect groundwater quality upstream of the district's well fields that provided in 20% of the community's potable water. The Yamba Wellfield exists to provide an alternative to the Fish Creek source, as mentioned, of public water and are not subject to contamination by wildfires. So again, I'm trying to rehash it, but I'm glad a lot of these points got made up. Protection of our groundwater, this is a quote, protection of our groundwater resource is of paramount importance to our community and is consistent with the mission of the district, said Kathy Connell, then president. <clears throat> Did we not just have a few close calls with fires last year? If anything would have pushed over over to fixed creek falls and the reserves area, we would have had the issue that we're talking about. 
that water would have been unpotable, and it would have been lying directly on Mount Warner Wells, and that well field, and those well fields that are being propositioned. More importantly, the statement as follows is directly linked to the pot. It's quote. The possibility of another subsurface leak or sub or surface spill or the effects of cumulative surface contamination would continue to pose a risk to the community's groundwater supply and the district's multi-million dollar investment in well-filled infrastructure. Again, talking a lot of millions of dollars here, but not my money. I'm going to ask you to wrap it up, David. I know. Well, also, Mount Warner Water and Sanitation treatments distributes water also for the Steamboat Resort. Lastly, Steamboat Springs area open space and trails master plan. We talked about viewpoints, highways, um, in the definition, riparian. As defined by the document, in most places, this landscape is a narrow corridor extending along the Gamba, the Gamba and Walton Creek drainages. Although small in area, the landscape is a key element of the overall community setting. The natural values in the corridor are an important resource, and the views of the river corridor should be maintained as much as possible from the highways and other key viewpoints. And again, we're discussing the view of the... David, view of are you about done? I could be done if you like. You've had a lot of time. Okay. If you want, if there's another point you want to make, please make it, but there's other people that may want to speak too. I'll be done. There is a note on Steamboat Pilot and today, 2011, flooding was documented in the, nur in the nursery itself. So there was a question about the flooding as well. So I have more notes. If you have one more time, feel free to share. Thank you. Anybody else? Hi, my name is Leanne McLaughlin. I live at 834 Doherty Road for the past 15 years. I've been there since um, uh, it was built. Uh, I was there from the ground up. So since I've been there, um, Doherty has never helped us with any plowing. He has never helped us with any maintenance, nor has Mount Warner Water as well. So that's all been on us and the church, uh, which adds up after a while. Um, the traffic is a big concern. I have two young kids, and I've seen, I've had to yell at people to slow down, and I have gotten confrontations with these people. Um, since it's on county property, um, I can't call anybody. I, it's not enforced, so it's just up to us neighbors to yell at these people, and I don't like to yell. Um, the traffic, too, notes that new hotel across the street, right? Um, it's hard to get out of our property right now. It took me, that's why I was late walking in, it took me a good 10 minutes to get out of my property. So more traffic, more, you know, it's just, it's getting ridiculous over there. Um, really want landscaping. I live right there on the corner. I don't want to see a bunch of buildings back there. I'm also concerned about the lighting. I don't want it shining in my daughter's bedroom. I mean, it's just not right. Uh, there's been tons of illegal activity on Doherty property. My husband has called numerous times about all the illegal activity being back there. Um, it's scary because <laughs> there's been some weird people back there. Um, the chemicals, I'm really worried about that and the monitoring. Um, the, the bridge, I mean, I don't think, I mean, what if a fire truck has to get over there? 
uh, road pavement. We really need it paved again, and I want to make sure that this project goes through, that we all work together as neighbors to make sure it gets paid, and it also helps with the plowing. It's, you know, it's a group effort there. Uh, hours of operation. I mean, a lot of this I'm just so mad at because River Place nor Majestic has been asked in any of these meetings until now. Uh, fire suppression. Okay, this is interesting. Since I, we all live on the back here on River Place, and my husband and I had to pay an extra $10,000 for sprinkler systems in our home. And, extra, and no one else in the front of the neighborhood did. So I would like to see some kind of fire suppression in the units if this goes through. Uh, fancy, you know, how are we going to make sure these legal poachers aren't going to come in? Is it going to decrease my property value? I don't know. And I go along River Road a lot, and I look back at my beautiful neighborhood and everything and from River Road, and do I want to see that? Does all the other tourists want to see that? I don't think so. We see enough of that on the west end of town coming in. So those are my points. Thank you. Any other comments? Hi, I'm Scott Kalman, Director of Environmental Health for Route County. Um, I did provide some comments in a referral. Uh, most of that was um, regarding the uh, abandonment of the existing um, on-site wastewater treatment system. And uh, there are some requirements for abandonment, so I encourage the applicant to come talk to us. And it's pretty simple, and it's, it's not expensive, um, but there are some um, we would like to talk about it a little bit at least. Um, one thing that I didn't realize looking at the application, and maybe I'm wrong, but is there a sewer line going across the river? Is that yes. correct? Okay. I'm wondering about any Corps of Engineers requirements for um, going across the river. I'm not sure if there are any, but um, that's something that should be checked into. Um, the, the proposed development is it's clearly in the floodplain. Um, I think that we have some direction in the master plan, maybe not super robust, about development in the floodplain um, and uh, kind of reducing our capacity to um, absorb flood flows. Um, so I would urge the planning commission to uh, make sure that they maybe already have, um, understand the elements about um, building in the floodplain and potential flood. <coughs> Um, and I guess, you know, uh, one of the benefits that I saw when reviewing the application was extension of that core trail. Um, you know, I see playgrounds, core trails, it's a, it's a great public health amenity. I think we've seen, um, you know, what an important public health amenity the existing core trail provides. And so, um, you know, I'm a proponent of trying to expand that systems for reasons of public health. We get people out on the trail, they're exercising, they're getting outside. Um, that's important. So that's all I have, thanks. Thank you, Scott. Anybody else? Yes, sir. Hi, I'm Barry Kaplan. I'm a resident of the townhomes of Walton Pond, which are just north of the subject property. 
Um, I'm thrilled with the idea of the extension of the core trail. I walk to the end of the, the terminal of that trail all the time. Uh, I do, of course, see some people uh, who don't respect the private property there, but, but most of the time they do. I mean, I understand the people who live right there and that they have much more opportunity than I to see some people being irresponsible. Um, thrilled as I am with the idea of extending the court trail, I definitely have some concerns about this proposal. Uh, some of them have been voiced tonight. Um, the one that I haven't really heard addressed enough is the bridge, which gives access to the other side of the river. Um, it may be load-bearing, but it's not wide enough for two-direction traffic. Um, it is not a smooth surface. Uh, you know, the, the balloon launch does use that. I, as far as I know, they're the only people authorized to use that bridge right now. Um, I, I really have some concerns about that surface as well as the width, uh, regardless of, of its load-bearing capacity. Um, I have concerns about light pollution. That I mean, the the lights from the church are visible now from where I am. Um, I would definitely want to see, a, you know, low light situation, down lighting required for any. You know, if it's a 24-hour facility, there are going to be lights. There's going to be traffic with lights, you know, car lights, um, and and visual buffers for the adjacent neighborhoods, especially. Um, there, there has been mention of a heron nest. Well, it's not one nest. There's a rookery, which just uh, south of this property, which is varied as to how many nests there will be or active nests in any given year. But the, you know, anywhere from six to ten active heron nests. Um, I don't know that they would you know, take too kindly to a lot of traffic and disturbance. They don't. They absolutely don't. Um, I'm concerned about the water quality, of course, and monitoring and requirements for reporting. Uh, if, if that is not built into any development back there, we have no guarantees of the, the quality of our water for years to come, especially if Fish Creek is not available at any time. Um, I guess that's it. Thank you very much for your consideration. Thank you. Good evening, my name is Peter Parsons. I live at 835 Weiss Circle, just uh, near where Barry lives. Um, I just wanted to add one or two quick things or questions I had that are pretty simple. What about is where's the snow going to be put, and with the sand traps for the for the would they get buried by overall snow removal goes on this property? Would that have any influence to whether they're working properly um, year round or in the spring when the snow is piled up and starting to melt? It's just something I don't understand. Um, and, and overall, I guess my my concern is just really for the quality of the, of the water in the river, and uh, um, being a, an advocate for what a rare resource the Yamba River is. I, I, I'm not an expert in any of this, so it surprised me here about putting the sewage line in the air, I guess, adjacent the bridge across the river and wrapping it in heat tape, and that that would keep it from ever freezing. That sounds like a dicey proposition to me. Um, if, if power went out or something like that, so everything else I want to talk about has been addressed. But thank you. Thank you. Thank you.
Other comments? Nice chance. Thank you all. Do we'll close public comment now and come back to the Planning Commission? Do you have any questions for the petitioner or for staff? Yeah. Go. <laughs> Go. So, uh, anybody can answer this, I don't know necessarily, but was SSC property annexed into the city? Steamboat Springs Christian Center, the property adjacent to this, right to the mid-east. It's it's located in the city. I don't know if it was annexed. At one point in time, yes. Okay. I don't know what year. <laughs> I did it end right there at that. That's the city limits, right? The city limits basically go along the north end of that, down on the Christian Center side, and then back to the east. Okay. So that this property is eligible for annexation. Yep. Yes. Um, on lot one, was the existing septic tank removed when the cabins were taken down? Did the service then? There was, there had absolutely no, was one. Well, I was lucky enough to work there for a couple of years. I love this property. Um, the the old cabin that I used to work in that housed Mountain West main offices. There was a bathroom in that one, and those are gone now. So yeah, that cabin is still there. The bathroom's gone. Because there was a tank outside of, directly outside of the building, and but we weren't even allowed to use that bathroom. We had a porta potty on site, so I'm just this may have been removed, filled in, crushed. Who knows what the process is at that point? Cool. It's just something that came up when I was thinking about it. Um, Peter mentioned something about general condition number ten, all access. Highway 40 shall comply with the access control plan. And we just saw the update on that a couple months ago. I've been looking at it on my phone a bunch. I know that Doherty is scheduled to get a light sometime. It's a full movement intersection. has orange little marks on it. Any other full movement intersections are designated to get along the route have or are designated to get lights. So at some point, there is going to be a tra traffic device there, I would assume. But getting to Peter's point, when he said it's not meaningful, what are the, the triggers that, how are the triggers defined that say when access changes? Because I don't see the harm in leaving that in as long as we understand what triggers the plan. It would be a change of use is one of the trigger points, or if they're, they need to amend their access, their existing access permit. So the access into the snow country, the nursery, on the plan that you're referencing, the access control plan, it's recommended that that be a right turn in, right yep. turn out only. Uh, but based on Dan Rusin's most recent comments, which you received, um, he doesn't see the need for that to happen at this time because there is no trigger, it's not changing. Uh, but in the future, he anticipates the use most likely changing in the future, and then that would be a requirement for right turn in, right turn out. Is that still vague, too vague to you, Peter, or does that make sense in its explanation? My my uh, my point is that 
the condition is vague and unclear. It, that the plan, the proposal either meets it or it doesn't. So why why put in a condition that says, hey, we have to meet it? Well, this is a plan that is in place. Like I said, we just got it updated. We saw a presentation from CDOT not just a couple months ago, and we looked at all these different entrances. And I, mean, I think it's clear that it is slated to have something done to it at some point down the road. What, what do you mean by that? The right in, right out, and the and well, the no question. There's a plan in place. There's no trigger with this proposal to kick that in. You would argue that because there is no Mr. trigger, with that. the condition uh, has no place in, in there. Your argument is that because there is no trigger, the condition has no purpose. Thank you. Okay. Krista, you had something? Um, yes, I just want to speak to some of the comments and clarify Please. some things. Um, so, Troy, starting with your first comment about this being a visual-sensitive um, corridor, there is a condition of approval, condition number 14, that staff included that staff would approve final architectural drawings. So if there are any elements that you would like to see, you can let staff know um, or make that a more specific condition. As far as the core trail is concerned, there were a lot of comments about the location and whether the city commented on the core trail. For those of you that were part of the conceptual plan, Craig Robinson from the city did provide comments with respect to the Port Trail location and their support for the Port Trail going through this property. Um, I did follow up with him most recently to provide him the updated plans of the exact location, and he didn't change his comments otherwise. Um, as far as specific condition number 12, there is a condition in place about the shared sewer maintenance agreement with the Christian Center. So that is for the applicant to abandon the leach, the existing leach field on lot two and replacing it with a sewer agreement to get water and sewer to that caretaker unit. That also, um, we also address Scott Cowman's um, concerns regarding Condition number uh, 13, which is that 13A. There are two 13s. Um, that they receive proper septic abandonment uh, procedures for lot two. So that was included in the condition of approval. Let's see. Um, also, a concern that was brought up by Scott was development within the floodplain. There is a condition of approval, number nine, which states that the applicant needs to apply for a floodplain development permit. So that will be addressed through a condition of approval. Lighting was brought up. Condition number 15 addresses lighting, that it shall be downcast and completely shielded. <clears throat> um, snow storage, there is snow storage being provided on the site plan that is part of the site design requirements. Um, just making sure I addressed everything. Oh, and then um, to speak to the comments regarding traffic, 
The access control plan, as you know, is a jointly adopted plan by both the city and the county by recommendation from CDOT, who recommends all um, traffic going out to Doherty Road. You did mention that there um, will be a light planned or slated in the future. I don't have the details of what that trigger is for a light at this time, but uh, this the proposal with respect to the new storage facility is in compliance with that portion of the whole plan. Thank you. Questions about planning commission? John, you want to lead off here and we'll... Uh, I know on page 6 of 45, we had the issues for discussion and then the compliance with number 10 or how you feel about that. So along with any other comments, please look at page 6 of 45. Well, I don't have any problem with the uh, lot line adjustment or the slight uh, zoning adjustment. My question is more of a general. We often vote approval on with a lot of things pending, but there seem to be several really big things here, like they've just this week submitted um, the watershed protection permit application again. We have a consultant coming in for other water issues. As been pointed out, and I think we need a condition, we don't have a business plan with uh, hours of operation and, and, you know, fairly core issues like that. Is it going to be 24-7? It seems to me this may be premature. That's my biggest concern. Good. Thank you. Uh, to me, I see that the use is fitting for the purpose, uh, the annexation uh, for this land uh, for uh, Steamboat, I don't really see for that land the purposes. If, if it would get annexed, I think it would create more problems. Um, you know, Majestic and River uh, Place are already in there for residential. I feel like uh, those places provide more wastewater um, contaminants into our water systems than what this use would be. Um, to me, I feel like this use would be less damaging to our water than those are, and if it would be up for annex and it would be residential, that that would create more of a problem than what this use is creating. I do agree uh, landscaping on the west side so that, you know, looking in at uh, 131 or coming in from, uh, from off of uh, Rabbit Ears, those are some things of concerns. Um, hours of operations, I can understand how people who are close on Doherty right over there, uh, those lights could be impacted and something that we should consider. Um, outside of that, I think the zoning is something that makes sense to me. Um, why it wasn't thought of before, um, I'm kind of shocked that it wasn't already there. Jeff. Thank you. Uh, <clears throat> regarding the issues for discussion, I have no problem with uh, number four and all of its various sub-issues. Uh, condition number 10, I think that can be remedied by reference to uh, 
you know, any determination to seek out. My larger issue uh, does also go with what John says. In my two and a half years here, uh, we, we've made applications conditional on various approvals, but I can't recall a time when an agency has come in and said, uh, you know, we don't think this is going to happen no matter what you do. And, and in line with what John was saying, I, I think that at this time it would be appropriate to table it, considering um, Section 5.3B of the Master Plan that says that the county will not approve development applications or special use permits that would lead to the degradation of the environment without proper mitigation uh, that would bring the proposal into compliance with the plan. So uh, I think tabling here would be appropriate given that various agencies have said, you know, we don't think it's going to happen, but uh, maybe we could be uh, proven wrong. I think that should happen before we approve the final PUD. Good. Bill? Um, items for discussion, pretty much we've gone all over them, and uh, uh, the UGB is definitely in there, and I don't think the city is going to annex anything in the near future. That problems all the way around. This water problem is uh, uh, contingent upon one of them. I think that uh, if we move ahead with it, that uh, it does have possibilities. That the engineers have looked at uh, ways of mitigating it. I think if the town can work with them, we can get that on through. And as far as number 10 goes, I think that uh, Christy got perfect language for it. I'd, I'd like to start like Peter said. Move on. Peter. Um, yeah, I'm impressed with some of the petitioners' work on this, particularly the issue of toxic chemicals. And uh, I think if I park my old my old uh, snowmobile in there and all five gallons of gas leak out over the wintertime, you've got it successfully contained. That said, I'm very concerned about Mr. Snyder's letter um, about the potential for water pollution. Um, this is in the midst of um, infusion fields on both sides. Uh, it's interesting, he says, indeed, it's not uncommon for storage unit tenants to store toxic chemicals or toxic materials, uh, even chemicals used in the production of such drugs as methamphetamine. About eight years ago, I lived on a small hobby farm west of Minneapolis, and across the creek and across the wetlands, another hobby farm owner rented his property out to some young entrepreneurs. Uh, when the meth lab exploded, there was an incredible fire that ensued, and the fire department successfully came and put it out, pouring I don't know how many thousands of gallons of water on it. By morning, a lot of that toxic brew of water on top of chemicals had made its way about 200 yards down into the wetlands. Um, and uh, there it sat, and there was much concern about that. Um, if a similar thing were to happen here, your three-inch floor drain is not going to contain that kind of toxic brew from several fire engines pouring water on any kind of a chemical explosion. And again, it's right in the midst of infusion fields. So I think we really need to let the um, city um, continue with its exploration with consultants to try to figure out how big of an issue this is. And I think one of the things that you should bring up with those consultants is in the case of a fire, um, because as it's pointed out, there will be people that will store toxic things there. In the case of a fire, 
what happens to all that toxic water? The three-inch floor drain is not going to take care of it. So I think at this point, the best we could do would be to table this. Right. I agree with the sentiments that have gone before me with the caveat that you can't engineer stupid. And Michelle said it well, that how do you look 10 years down the line and where's the maintenance on the project and what becomes of the sand traps and the mitigation measures, whatever they are, whatever gets put in place, those tend to get forgotten over time. That's just the human nature. That's the way it works. And so without some uh, assurance that the city and Mount Warner is okay with this, I honestly don't know why we're considering it. This is the water source for 14,000 people, 15,000 people, literally two-thirds of the county, or 60%. Uh, it trumps everything. It trumps the uh, core trail to nowhere. Uh, if I understood Mr. MacArthur correctly, that core easement, which attracted my eye originally, is basically irrelevant because it ends up going nowhere. They would have to just go west anyway to get it into the city property. So I don't know what the public's getting out of this other than potential contamination of one of the prime water resources. Andy. On that you know, particular comment about the trail easement, if it runs where it's aligned now, it comes into that flag on city property, not Warner property, and they could grant an access. So it wouldn't necessarily dead end here. There still is an out. So... I hear the arguments on both sides of that. We have the Stars Ranch and another storage facility that if the infiltration gallery, a second infiltration gallery is created, will be directly adjacent to the new gallery that's being proposed, which is directly south of this particular property. And at that time, we felt those same exact measures were going to be significant enough to protect that future gallery. So I understand that there's a potential conflict. Um, I don't know that if the applicant or the operator prohibits the storage of things, I don't know that we should negate the plan based on what someone might do in breaking those rules and regulations. We can admit that it's a possibility it will happen and that the client has attempted to mitigate those factors, but you know, the other storage unit has refrigeration. Some of those units are temperature climate controlled. So there's already mechanical involved in some of those other ones. So I see I see the incompatibility and the, the compatibility of this particular project. Maybe I would have liked to have seen the storage units oriented the other direction the way they were on um, D-Bar K, which kind of reduces the, the visual impact of the structures. That was one thing that we had considered. I don't think that these structures are going to be that more visible from the highway. I just had the opportunity to drive down through Alma and South Park, and you have these incredible mining operations that occurred right in the middle of town, right off the highway, and the, the grandeur of the landscape, my wife and I were, I was just commenting on this, the grandeur of the landscape can distract from that. So we kind of allow these 
cell towers, gravel pits, storage units because they're they're necessary. Um, if the if the if this commission decides to table it, I would support that tabling. Um, but I could move forward on the petition as it stands right now. Roberta. Just to uh, tag on to what Andy said, on uh, landscape, I, I can't believe that there's no landscape plan associated with this project. I, I do think it's a visual eyesore, and I do think it will be visible from Highway 40. Um, I don't think there's much architectural character, which I know you gentlemen don't have anything to do with, but someone does, the owner of the, of the project. Having said all that, my really biggest concern is water quality and the lack of maintenance, uh, the lack of any ability to maintain those facilities. Uh, Peter's point relative to the scale and the size of the drain made, makes sense to me. But the Route County Master Plan, aside from Section 5.3b that um, was mentioned by Jeff, uh, the Subarea Master Plan Policy NS 2.2 also says the city and county will ensure that both groundwater and surface waters are protected from degradation and are of high quality. And the Route County Zoning Resolution uh, under the uh, mitigation techniques for development within a natural hazard area. It says specifically avoid sites that would present a high probability of surface or groundwater pollution. I just think this site is, uh, has a tremendous uh, potential for groundwater pollution and uh, I've just listened this week to uh, a lot of conversation about protection of the Amper River. It's the, uh, not only is it the Fish Creek water, uh, watershed that we're concerned about, but the river <laughs> itself. So um, at best, I would recommend tabling this uh, until these issues get resolved. But frankly, I don't know that I would ever be able to support it. Thank you. Um, I agree with a lot of the existing comments. I think that tabling makes the most sense to me because there are still some open-ended things. I, I know that. Uh, the visual, and it, it may not be even so much from 40, but I'm pretty darn sure from 14. Now, I'm, I know that's not considered an entry corridor, but still 14 is going to probably uh, become used even more and more than it is today. And so I think on my list would be considerations towards a landscaping plan. I like your comment about the architectural controls. I don't know if that's the best design of all these square feet, square footage. In long linear buildings, it seems like you have the ability to articulate and add your little farmhouse features or whatever they're called, the peak roots, and I, I don't have any of that. Um, and I would just say I agree with most of the other comments made by Planning Commission at this point. Um, I think it could, could be doable. I, I really do. And I don't know quite what else you're going to do on this property. 
I think that the applicant also should consider as a public uh, amenity is moving that easement over the bridge to give us to that city property. It seems like that now, after testimony tonight, would be a, a much huge, much <coughs> larger benefit to the community than heading straight south there and just running into more problems. So I don't know how you do it. I don't know if it is doable. Um, I agree with Mr. Reynolds' comment that I don't understand why the caretaker unit is at the back of the property. Um, I would ask you to look at that if we table it and come back with perhaps a better design um, to put the security or the, the entry house or whatever closer to the, to the bridge somehow. Maybe that becomes more of a common area where you've got your access and your, your caretaker, plus then you could see your way to offer the public something to get across that river to the city property. I, I think that would be huge. Uh, so, that's my comment. Do you have anything else, Chad? I had one. Michelle, I don't want to put you on the spot, but I'm going to ask you a question. Uh, any chance that part of that, um, the outreach to that consultant, included what uses may be appropriate within that wellhead protection area? I think it's just a little bit about the history. I mean, I've been here for 21 years. This was the second case I was assigned 21 years ago. <laughs> I've got a lot of history with this thing. Uh, in talking with Mr. Dougherty years ago, that basically got us to where we are today, you know, uh, Butch, you know, I was trying to suggest to him, think of the filters that are in place. You know, okay, you help for friendization, it's in the UGB, city doesn't want you. Okay, can you get pipes? No. Okay, look at the land use chart and see what uses that you could possibly ask for in the PUD that don't involve pipes. That's why we're here right now. The list is pretty small on what the applicant can do with this property. It's really not us to figure that out. It's to respond to requests like we have today. But if this thing, you know, it, there are some issues that we still need to take care of. But. I'm just concerned that on the city side, if the city says, uh-uh, ain't getting past us, that yeah. we can still sell out that out. Yeah. Uh, thanks for your question. I appreciate that. So um, as far as what you what we've asked from the consultant is we basically asked them to review uh, what's been proposed, um, and we've asked them to uh, give us an idea of whether or not what they've proposed uh, is our would they consider fail-safe? Um, and would they have any concerns with uh, protection of our groundwater within that area? And um, and if there's something that they've proposed that is not um, something that's fail-safe, what, what, what is it they could do um, to make it more compatible? Okay. So they're just that. responding to this? Response. To this particular, but uh, so, and, and again, I just want to say that the reason that we're, we're going to this third party and we're asking them to take a look at it um, in part of uh, courtesy, excuse me, for the effort that these uh, gentlemen and the applicant have put in and also uh, out of thoughtfulness that this might make it to city council and we want to be able to back up our um, current view on, on the compatibility and compatibility of the use. Uh, 
So um, as far as what uses could be uh, appropriate with respect to the watershed protection permit, because that's uh, my only concern that I'm here for, not with regard to any of the other um, city, like whether it's the core trail or not, that's not, not part of what I'm here for. But um, we look to our ordinance, which outlines uh, for us what, what would be compatible. and. Uh, for me to interpret that, that would be a very low intensity, like a single family, residential, uh, not necessarily single family, but residential, uh, low intensity use uh, would be compatible based on my interpretation of our ordinance under watershed protection. And uh, again, our main concern is really just the protection of our, of our water source, which is quite significant. Michelle, I think if we move ahead and table this, um, when you talk about fail-safe, I hope that your consultant addresses my specific issue. Yes, sir. Of what happens if there's a fire and there's toxic chemicals on basically a very small pad surrounded by the Yampa River and two infusion fields. Absolutely. I, I appreciate that suggestion, and we will bring that up with the consultant. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, Michelle, it sounds also like... From what I understand, what I've written down the list of planning commission concerns. Um, if this is table day specific, any idea when we're going to hear um, feedback? from the city? So we again, we're in the middle of contracting. However, it is uh, uh, construction season, and our contracting is a little slow at this point. Um, I would hope for the next two weeks for that to be wrapped up, and then the consultant, uh, according to their proposal, had us let us know that they would be done in two to four weeks after that. Because okay. we have to set a date, and that was one of my questions. You know, whoever makes the motion, it has to be a specific date if we table it. Okay. And then I just wanted to voice one additional concern, and it's with the process again. I've said this before when we're hearing things that are in the UGB and the city is unwilling to consider them and in this case is actually completely limiting what can be done on this property other than selling it to the city, back to the city. I'm worried that the process that we're undergoing here is somewhat what flawed and would recommend that this commission look at the UGB in the future and our memorandum of understanding with the city as it relates to annexation and how we approach um, proposals that are within what is now defined as the UGB. Very good. Um, just one comment. It wouldn't have to be date specific. Um, for any reason other than we would have to re-advert, we wouldn't have to re-advertise if it was date specific. I'm sorry, I thought procedurally we had to say to be tabled until this date, to be heard on this date. Well, or at if, if that happens, like Christy said, we don't have to advertise. If, if it's tabled indefinitely, then once everybody is ready, they so then we, we could do it. We, we could do it in indefinite until presented. Right, and then we need to just go through the advertising process again. Okay. But before we get there, I, I, I've written down a list of what I've heard from Planning Commission. And I would like to say, since this came up a couple times from the audience, that lighting and you know, we, the county, have um, downcast and opaquely shielded lighting standards that apply across the county, you know, so we are dark diet friendly. Uh, and that wouldn't be, you know, um, 
waived in this instance, and there is a condition of approval because it is a PUD, that basically you can't see the light source from the property line. And, and that's, that's been going on in the county for 15 years more. Okay, so what I've got is um, basically the word from the watershed consultants. Um, and I would say we can work with the applicant on more of our typical uh, business plan, like hours of operation, police, that kind of stuff. Uh, and also gates came up. Security. Yes, so we will add that as well. Um, landscaping, uh, visibility, and you know, what's the word that we normally use? Um, you know, exterior materials, blending materials and colors. Um, more agency conclusions, I think that had mostly to do with the, with the watershed consultants, but possibly something from Danvers and the CDOT as well. Non-reflective, is that what you're thinking? Non-reflective in your tongue, typically. The buzzwords, yeah. Um, Peter, you're firefighting and any toxic chemical release. Um, the core trail issues, I mean, uh, I'm sure that Ed's concerns are very valid, but that's the first we heard of that, Ed, even after consulting, like Chrissy said, with um, uh, Craig, you know, at, at the open space. So we will look into that as well. And then uh, relocation of the proposed caretaker unit. Was there anything else on Relocation that? of what? The proposed caretaker, caretaker unit. That and addressing the access to lot two. Mm -hmm. um, I know it was put in here and it seems to me that CDOT will eventually, at some point in time, want the secondary access go away. And I think it's incumbent upon us to make sure that if that happens, there is access through lot one to get to lot two. Right. And okay. I Somehow. feel that can be addressed through a condition of approval so we can um, put that in there yeah. for your consideration. Sure. Did, did you have landscaping? Yes. Yes. Thank you. I have one additional, Andy. but I apologize. Um, does anyone know if the DBRK obtained a watershed protection permit? It did, yes. and is that criteria that it was uh, granted by available to for like I want I would like to see the explanation as to how that that from that those best management practices work for an infiltration gallery that will be right next to it versus this one that wouldn't work for an infiltration gallery that'll be right next to it so. I just would like to see their findings of fact or their how they came to that determination that because that that's the plan. There's another infiltration gallery right next to the deep arcade. Look at that. And that deep arcade has all the same firefighting issues. I mean when a house burns down, so heaven forbid one of the majestic townhomes burned down, what's the toxic release of chemicals into the watershed right there? I'm, I'm having a struggle finding, again, maybe I'm not supposed to be thinking about the precedent that we've already set, but I'm struggling with this connection, this disconnect that's being created a little bit. I understand the concern, but I'm not sure where the disconnect is coming in. Understood. So a little bit of information would be great. Thank you. At the risk of asking for another one of those, is there any other comment? <laughs> <laughs> Staff good? 
Chair's ready for a motion. Can I make a comment? <laughs> <laughs> yes, you may, Peter. Thank you. Uh, the uh, alternative alignment with the court trail is also news to us. I just want to make it clear that this commission and the Board of County Commissioners require this applicant to put that in. I just want to make that clear. This wasn't like his idea. We're just, we're just looking at it. We were required by you to put that in. It's not next, Peter. We're just investigating it. First. I understand. I want to make everybody in the room clear. Okay. So okay. I. Yeah. Peter, would would Peter, the applicant enjoy it being Peter, somewhere we heard, else? we heard new information tonight that I think is the genesis of that request. If okay. you don't want to do it, just come back next time and tell us. We don't want to do it. Well, no, he's willing to do it, and then this is the plan that the city just adopted that shows the trail right <laughs> through the middle of the property. I've talked to Craig Robinson twice, and he was all for it, but I'm just saying I want to make that clear. I'm not saying... We're, 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 we're tied into this, but remember, it's also an easement for Mount Werner Water to get through. So uh, I just wanted to make that point that, that we've been told to do that. Okay. Um, and and then, thank you, Chad. I just, it, with the tabling, I just want really clear direction on what you want to see come back. Please don't just say landscaping. Say, we want landscaping in this area to function because of this. Please. I don't and, think, and, and, Peter, it's not our job to design your plan. No, I try. I'm just saying, please don't say uh, landscaping is you, an issue. We would like to see landscaping addressed because we believe there are impacts. If you can show us there's no impacts, then don't do it. No. We simply ask if it's appropriate, come back and show us. No, I'm agreeing with you. Just specify what the impact you want. I'm not going to tell you, you how many trees to plant or where. No, no, no. I'm saying specify what impacts you want to address through the landscaping. Come, That's all. Come back saying. with the photos from the highway. And 14 that's, that's and 131. Yeah, like you do in every other presentation that you've ever presented us. <laughs> In the adjacent residential area that we suppose. Mr. Chair, before uh, any other comments, I'd be willing to make a motion. Will the chair entertain a motion? Please. I move that we table activity PL 18143 uh, until such time as the applicant feels that they've addressed the questions uh, and they make arrangements for staff to put this on a future hearing date. Second. There was a question on the motion. Brian, Andy, Ron, I can't see you. I'm sorry. That's all right. Everybody good? Can, can we include in that that part of the information that we need to come back would also be from uh, the, the city regarding the water impacts? Or are we expecting that to be part of the consultant right. report? Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. I'll withdraw the motion and make a move. I'll withdraw a second. Is that procedurally correct? That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> Move that we uh, table activity PL 18143 until such time as the applicant has addressed the questions articulated by Chad Phillips uh, 
tonight for some future hearing. I'll second that one. Jeff and Brian. Dis discussion? Those in favor of the motion say yes. 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 Those opposed say no. Chair votes yes. Thank you very much. Yeah. <laughs> Sarah, we're going to recess for ever seen ten minutes. Yeah. 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 In other words, it's five minutes. Um, I think this is in the sense of the message. I hope I don't like the message. This but I think we have to say. So you want to go to my tour? In so many hours. You do. Yeah. <laughs> 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 
Landscape architecture, Jens, Jensen. Uh, he did a lot over in my college, and so you know, he was part of some of that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I think it's. There's a long. I didn't know I went to crew. I Well, waiting for Chad yeah. to fuck up. I saw that after the meeting. Hmm. Um, he was on the meeting. didn't want to let me talk. This week. 
Maya? <laughs> meeting that yeah. I wasn't in. Oh, oh, so came out. Yeah, what do you got? Peter? Yeah, yeah. I'll give you my Why the hell would Kathy have APCC? I didn't really ask to talk, but. It was comment. That's what I it's heard for. Was on the I don't know why. I, but it's okay. Kathy and I have been friends for 20 years, but it's okay. Um, Without but I thought she was one. But my the board, the board, the strawberry party, and the lunch. Those are exactly the same Andy would say some great comments at that meeting about, well, wait, it's in the urban core power. It's right next to the city. And you the exit or donut exit, okay, it comes to accountability and the zoning to be able to allow these small, nice neighborhoods in these locations. And, and they're already served by freaking utilities. And then you got a report from the housing authority. We need like a thousand units. What part is that? Yeah. Are we missing? It's getting rambled. <laughs> right? I, 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 well, I talked afterward because Sonia asked me, yeah. and I said that's why I, was, I wanted to make the comment. You were like, that's the only reason I was here. Okay. I know. <laughs> no, no, no. They beat us up every time. Every time. Well, right. Right. Okay, you're done. Get out. No. Yeah, you're 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 <laughs> Bye, Peter. Yeah, they didn't forget. Yeah. Okay, yes. we're, we're back. <laughs> Where did our audience go? Next item on the agenda is the master plan update, PL nineteen one oh seven. Discussion on scoping. Phase one. Yes. Christy. We are here to discuss elements in the plan that are in need of an update or should be included in scoping to create a list for discussion with the community. Um, let me just bring up this presentation. Um, as you recall, we were here having this same discussion April 18th. However, at that time, Planning Commission didn't feel like you were prepared um, or had a clear understanding or direction as to what we were asking you all to do. Okay, bear with staff here. Um, so what is in front of you is the list that staff compiled along with two of the items that we received from Planning Commission to include to the list, which uh, was wildlife concerns and also connectivity to our growth centers. Uh, there are 15 items on the list. Only one for some reason is showing up. But you do have your staff memo. I think it's because you're not on slideshow. And if you went on slideshow and advanced it, then those those lists would probably come up. I, 
Oh, well, maybe not, because it's not changing it. Yeah, it looks like it's maybe hung up. Discussion, the next steps would be once we compile this list and get your input on information we should add to the list, amend some of these items, delete them, that we would have this list to take out to the community. We anticipate this list um, when we go out to the community to be a starting point um, and hear what the community has to say and this will, in the end, be the scope of services that should show an accurate reflection of um, the community values. Um, it will also tell us how big of an amendment process will be necessary moving forward. So the first item on the list is modernized language maps and pictures in the plan. That's pretty straightforward and self-explanatory. Um, unless somebody had a comment, on that, we can move forward. Move forward. Okay. The next item is review action items and modify as necessary. When we met on April 18th, Alan went over the various action items in the plan and pointed out items that have been addressed and they're still in the plan or items that need to be amended. Um, so the plan would be to have that full list of action items and revise it um, as necessary moving forward. So condense it down to the ones that have not been done. Correct. It would be similar to what we're actually going through with the Steamboat Springs Area Community Plan. <laughs> there were over 100, 100 action yeah. items in that plan. Um, they were ones that were duplicative and you know, needed to be um, deleted. And the Area Plan Coordination Committee is actually in that process condensing that list. Um, so we foresee the same you were condensing process. That but basically, once after the items have been removed and what's left of those action items are, have remained, part of the update process will be anything new. On that point? Yeah, it is somewhat on that point. Yeah. It seems to me that um, that we should be identifying new action items on some type of regular basis, whether that's two years or three years or five years. So it seems to me that we should build in some sort of regular review and reset some of those action items. 
where do we stand? You know, do we do we need to identify some new ones? It seems like they should have some alignment with county strategic plans. Um, so that's that's just a comment. Well, no, I, I think it's valid, but I see that type of procedure at the end. So once all this is done, assimilated, and packaged up, at that point in time, we could create the list of what needs the action. And, and that's fine. But I think we also need to build in um, some sort of a process. You know, this plan is 15 or 16 years old. I think we need to build some process into review those action items on a regular basis. And I don't know what that time frame is. Um, and I think that we can probably get some direction from other agencies so that we can say, okay, where are we at with these action items? And do we need to develop some new ones? Are some not relevant because you know, our community is changing? Um, just some regular review and reset. And I think that can be handled you know, through the review of the master plan as it should be every five years. That is outlined in the plan. Obviously, um, that hasn't been done to the level of an in-depth review, but I think Planning Commission has stated the fact that because the master plan is in use during every application review, that they are um, reviewing these policies often, but I mean, not correct. And I think, I don't know, five years feels like a long time to me, but you know, we can research that, figure out maybe if there's more appropriate. And that, and that will be part of the actual process. Number three. I had a question though. Oh, I'm not sorry. Go ahead. Um, so this goes back to the question that I had sent to Christy. Mm -hmm that we'll talk about a little bit later too, but is is the master plan here and the other area plans supporting it or does the master plan hold up the sub-area plans? Well, sub-area plans are mainly just a detailed wing of the, of the master plan. The master plan right. is like, because I asked this question at the APC, or after the APCC meeting was, I, I was always under the impression that the master plan was above everything else and everything else supported it and we'll talk about my feelings after I left the APCC meeting but with review of action items so does the up do you think the upcoming annexation will change our thinking at all on our master plan our sub area plans because to me this annexation is basically a referendum on we're full we don't want any more growth in Steamboat, which to me, I, I like the concept because it can start pushing it out to the the areas that could use a little bit of growth. So I'm wondering that if this up, upcoming vote is going to totally change everything we're talking about, our, our thinking on everything we're talking about right now. But personally, I hope not. Yeah. We'll find out. But would it we? change, would, would, a, would a no vote mean it's time to Look at the west of Steamboat Plan. Absolutely. Okay. That, that's that's my opinion. Did, I would no agree. vote means we have to look at the master plan no, because I, of that I, overriding document. It is the document that guides, whereas that plan is just a part of it. Right. I agree with you on that. I mean, it, unless the question is raised that you know that our planning system that we have now protect the western rural character, say no to subdivisions in the county, say yes to subdivisions in the municipalities. 
Hopefully that's not broken. Mm -hmm. Okay. Number three. Uh, analyze policies that guide locals and workforce housing in unincorporated in unincorporated county. Um, it speaks to review every five years to make sure that the master plan and its policies are an accurate reflection of the goals. Is affordable housing being addressed? Um, you know, the community vision, as well as um, assessing current programs and resources and community goals. How do we feel about number three? Is, is that, uh, would it be better worded instead of locals to say, is it market rate and workforce housing? Uh, or market rate and affordable housing? Is it, uh, I just don't know what locals mean. Which? Don't you think they're in juxtaposition to each other? Market force, market rate of housing and affordable housing? Like, I, the, I, I hate to be this way, but affordable housing in a market economy is the biggest pipe dream that's you, that has no way of actually attaining it, or at least I have not seen a methodology that would help support that goal. Well, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm unaware. I'm, I've been out of the, the education process for so long. Is there some new technique that I don't know about? Well, it, in order to get workforce housing and or affordable housing, because I, I don't even think workforce housing is the same as affordable housing. I think there's three things. I think there's market rate, there's workforce, and there's affordable. In order to get workforce and affordable, you have to have market rate, and a lot of times it's developers don't have so that's why. Who, how do you say who gets to get the market rate yeah. and who gets to get? I'd, I'd say just change it and just say diverse. Analyze policies that guide diverse housing. And diverse. Like I said, we'll fine tune that during the amendment process. Too. Okay. This is just kind of putting it out. We there can argue that, about it. <laughs> that we need to look at all of this stuff. It's all relevant. Yeah, but I just don't want to get hung up on wording at this. Point. Sure. And, and to answer Mr. Benjamin's question, there are ways to do it. Cool. Like I said, I'm always looking for Number new things. Number four, Christy. Number four, consider goals and policies that address climate change. If you recall, this was a comment from Bob Woodmancy. Um, staff um, also supports this, um, looking at more policies. Although there are policies in the plan that address this, they're sort of indirectly, and I think there needs to be more of... Um, it needs to have more teeth in, in the master plan. Does this um, include increase in wildfires, this topic? Because going through the list of 16, I don't know, and I don't know if it's appropriate for the master plan. I, just a question. Mm -hmm. Because it seems like it's kind of a big issue in the West. Fires. Wildland fires and, and getting bigger, and there's impacts, and obviously the county spends a boatload of money fighting these things. I, I agree with Troy. I think it does fall under climate change, but I think that that should be something that we address. It's hugely important here. Yeah, there's. I, I was at a, a Roberta was there too, a, a conference. Scott was there too, <laughs> but yesterday and the day before, 
And uh, there was a document that was referenced that I'll send the Planning Commission you know, a link to, but it was created by CU and CSU, and it's called the Colorado Climate Change Vulnerability Study. And I think I'm answering that kind of question, What's what are we looking at? That, you know, based on the little they talked about this the study at the conference, I think it'd be a good bit of information. Yeah, I, I don't want it to get lost in. I don't care if it's a number 17 or if it's included in four. I don't care, but I think it's something that we should look at. I think on top of that, too, is the water as well. I mean, with climate change and everything like that, where is our water and how is that going to flow for fire mitigations and different things as well for climate change, where I think the seasons are getting earlier, that means then should we worry about any kind of uh, water rights or anything else on top of that? Water supply and agriculture snow, you know, seasonal changes and when we get precipitation and runoff. It's all, it's all there. So. Okay. So it's fire and water. Number five. Address the current expectations associated with the telecommunication industry. Um, as you know, we've, we've reviewed um, several cell tower applications. Um, as our master plan is written, um, they mainly go against visual impacts um, with the policies as written. I think Planning Commission has done a good job in making specific findings of fact of, uh, to address visual mitigation. Um, but is this something that we should take a look at um, policies that support broadband expansion efforts? Yes. <laughs> to north says Roberta it's up north that's the great white north sorry okay stays in um, include guidance for making variance decisions um, for board of adjustment next uh, this, this, one, <laughs> this one confuses me because it's statutory in nature so I mean we're not the legislature uh, and I don't personally think that it's appropriate to be in there, other than to say, if necessary, that you got to follow the law. Well, every, I don't know if I mentioned this last time, but every Board of Adjustment application that has gone to them to figure out those five criteria, number five is compliance with the master plan. Every time we've said master plan does not include this kind of detail to address this application. So we just want to put something, think of the wording like, right? something in the master plan that addresses variances. Can, that, that way we just don't ignore one of the five. <coughs> can we uh, delegate that to staff and tell them to just bring it back, whatever they need? It's fine. <laughs> okay, that's, okay, thanks, Jeff. That's <laughs> Include demographics and growth trends. Um, that seems to be pretty straightforward as well. The importance, I think we can all agree, having that sort of information. Is that, is that just route county, or are you going to layer some state trends? Yeah, I, I'd say all of the above. Okay. You know, that we'll see what DOLA or our municipalities have, because obviously it'll have some impact on the county, and you know, growth trends. You know that Dola has for us, and also working with you know Todd Carr 
in the building department to come up with our own projection. You know, just how, how detailed we want to get, but we will have. I just would like to see not only Route County stuff, but state demographer stuff. Uh -huh. okay. Good. Address recreation and tourism pressures. Um, yes. As we're seeing more <laughs> of these applications, you can understand why why this is on our list. You know, one thing that seems to be, um, and I'm not even sure it's growing, but it's something I've become a lot more aware of, um, are permits on state, BLM, federal mm -hmm. lands, because I'm assuming those industries are growing. And so there's a lot of use going on on public land. Mm -hmm. We do review off-site impacts. Is it in the master plan strongly? I can, we can take a look. Or I mean, it's, it, it, it's a regulation. Right. But you're asking, you know, is it in the actual master plan? Yeah, I guess I'm wondering if the taxpayers of Rock County need a little bit more um, input. And I don't know how you do that. That's up to you guys to figure out. But is there a way that the citizenry or the population, the local municipalities can uh, not regulate, but mitigate impacts? I mean, I'm thinking of the snowmobile tours on Raptors. Mm -hmm. and <laughs> But they occur outside our <laughs> county, don't they? Sure, but that's the point. Well, I'm not sure. Some of them, some, of them, some no. don't. No. Do it might be 50-50. Anyway, irregardless. The, the question is, does that tourism industry affect the county? Or, yes. or how do we make that growth sustainable? Or not. <laughs> it's a master plan deal. Right. So you, you put something, the way I see it, Scott, is that you there, there's something in your master plan that, and I don't even know when you drag it in. Maybe you don't, you know, maybe we don't even have the ability to bring a petitioner in. But it's something the board obviously could influence if if there's impacts to roads and so forth. But don't we don't we see those when we do the special use permit for the the operation? Because a lot of times those occur within national forest or on BLM. Just but if it's something that that would require a permit, but it's on federal lands, then we can do the um, the, the review for offsite impacts. Well, SLO. I mean, they were obviously using U.S. Forest Service. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. We had an but oil we, well, but we reviewed the hell out of SLO. Yeah. Well, we had an oil well one time on federal land, and they. They came in and talked about their sovereignty and how we had no spot, no place in talking about the, the application. We did anyway. <laughs> so, but the private property or the public roads they used to access those sites, yeah. that's where we have some say so. Yeah. So it just seems like we need some more robust guidance in the master plan to help us address. <laughs> that's all we're saying, I think, here is mm -hmm. some more robust language in the plan Agreed. to help like guide that. us towards you know, sustainable growth in that area. Same. I, I, I think this discussion alone suggests that yeah. something to look at. 
Number nine. Number nine. All right. Describe appropriate intensity of use to avoid the commercialization of the AF zone district. <laughs> Good luck. <laughs> well, I kind of rolled nine and ten together because, as you know, we always struggle with cumulative and we always struggle with intensity of use. Correct. Right. So, based upon our struggles, we've got to look at it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So we would look at policies that ensure a more consistent evaluation of those type of applications right. and acceptable um, intensities. Uh, and, and hopefully at least some language on how it's measured. Measure intensity. Yeah. Matrix. <laughs> That's what I was thinking. How many neighbors object? Um, okay. How, how do you measure something like that? I mean, I'm thinking about what we don't want to be if you drive through Moab and every block has three or four Jeep and uh, uh, four-wheeler rental things. Yeah. I mean, clearly well, that's not what we want, but I mean, how do you figure out how many of those kinds of commercial endeavors we really do want to support? Or, you know, it's like a school drive with a thermometer, and every time yeah. we have a new one approved, the temperature goes up, and by the time you get to the top, we're done. Well, we'll We'll hope to, you know, <clears throat> brainstorm, and I don't know if there's anybody else out there that's doing this kind of thing, but uh, provide you some options and some examples. And so next, I think eleven is self-evident. Yeah, that's pretty self-explanatory as well. Wildlife information, um, even though there are policies in the plan, um, you know, they should be reviewed for their effectiveness. Um, as development pressures threaten our resources. So that's something that we should take a look at. Has our mapping been updated in forever? It, we, yeah, basically it's it's the layer that's maintained by CBW. Right. Because I think Middledorf is pretty user-friendly. Oh, yeah. Other. I think if, if there was something that you needed from him, mm -hmm. I think he'd be more than happy to. Yeah. yeah it's, it's all. Should, should we be more expansive? Um, I mean, we're talking specifically about wildlife. Um, we talked about climate. Um, there's also air quality, water quality, watershed health. Uh, vegetation. I mean, I guess it seems like that we should be uh, updating all of that information to reflect current conditions to help us, you know, guide our decisions. And so wildlife is very specific, you know. We could add to the list. Hard to all of those things. And, and I think that a lot of these things are available already as GIS layers. And <clears throat> so it just seems like that Wildlife is narrow, but we should be considering um, other resources besides wildlife. And we talked about climate change. Maybe that connects to air quality. Did you just give yourself some homework? <laughs> <laughs> nice, Jack. Nice. Thanks, Jack. Well done. Well done. I mean, those policies that Scott just spoke to are budget. in the plan, right. but I guess to your point, they should be Updated. looked at as well to see if they are. Um, effective if 
they need to be updated in any way. Yeah, Scott will help us in that capacity. Okay. <laughs> Oil and gas, same? Yes. Correct. Okay. Right. And CO and GCC standards have changed a lot, but I guess we roll with the punches and just say <laughs> that we are compatible. Oh, and, and then also the new legislation might also change how we look at that. We might have some more oversight responsibility. So oh, yeah. mm -hmm. I don't think that we can just say compatible with COGCC and we need to be compatible with state regulations. Yeah. 185 181. Good catch, Scott. Yeah, we can write our own to um, We next, did yeah. in the past. A lot address of transportation and connectivity between the growth centers. That was one of your items. So it's come up like a lot. Um, Before you guys spend too much time on that, I know the commissioners in the city are currently having discussions related to that. I mean, it is, continues to be, will be an issue, but mm -hmm. I think there's some coordination happening right now. Yes. And I think we should remember that this is an umbrella, and this is to help guide us in making those decisions. I don't think it needs to be super specific. I think we will get more specific with those discussions. And I know that our management team that Christy is on, we're talking specifically about transportation and trying to come up with short and long-term actions. But um, I mean, and I don't, I don't know what we say currently in the master plan. But just you know, same things. Do we have the guidance that we need? We're a different community than we were 15 or 16 years ago. You know, how can we um, improve that facet in our planning process, given the conditions we have? All, all I'm saying is, before you get too far down the road, unintended. Uh, that you know, we don't want to spend a whole lot of time on that one, only to have BC's or the Board of County Commissioners say, "No, that's that's not what." It's an important one that I think we should address, but I wouldn't start with that one. That's well. That's so another thing that came up in the APCC meeting that kind of it touched a nerve with me a little bit. I came away with a feeling that. The, the city feels that the outlying growth centers are nothing more than bedroom communities. And I think it would be important to affirm in the master plan that we don't, or maybe we do, don't necessarily feel that that is the case. That was the impression that I was left with at the meeting. What's the Area planning co coordination. coordination. The Steamboat Springs area plan. The Steamboat yeah. Springs. And so, and we'll talk about this in a little bit. Troy asked me to give you an update on that meeting, but it, it, I had this I had this very deliberate feeling coming away from that, that the outlying growth areas are viewed as bedroom communities, and Steamboat has no vested interest in seeing that develop further. So we're talking about the Route County Master Plan, and it should be, I think, something that we do enforce because I don't think bedroom communities are what Oak Creek, Hayden. But that's not really in the context of the area plan. In the well, area plan, they're probably actually spot on. In the area, in the area, it talks about some of this stuff and it hits on it. But the boundaries of the community plan. 
And that was the other question that but, I had. So everything you said, whether I don't care if the city feels Hayden or Peeberg is a retail mecca. It's not really relevant. I, I, I get that. Because they're talking about the area front, which has a boundary. And so that was, again, I'll read my thing later, but that, that boundary, is our, it's, I think it's arbitrary and, and capricious to, to say that decisions made within that boundary don't affect things outside the boundary. Fair conversation. And vice versa. 14. 14. Reformat to make the plan more user friendly on the internet. I have the most trouble with this one. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> you never know what to do. You almost got me, Chris. Modernization. He's <laughs> good. Um, so, at last, I have never heard of the Environmental Stewardship Management Team. And it says that it's something that was initiated by the county commissioner. Mm hmm. So what is it the county commissioners are trying to achieve with the environmental stewardship management team? So we have been doing some strategic planning, and uh, we have rearranged our management teams. And, and you know, the link between this process that we're going through in the planning commission, it seems like there should be some better communication on that. So that's, that's a gap right there, is that you guys should be aware of the strategic planning and our management teams and, and what's going on. And so um, I'm heading up that team. We also have the good governance. Um, I'm sorry, it's getting late in the day. <laughs> good governance, environmental stewardship, health and safety. And so um, you know, what we're doing is um, coming up with short and long-term actions based on our strategic planning. And so, um, and you know, maybe I need to come present and show you what we've done so far. In fact, I'm sure that that's what I should do. Um, so, you know, this is number 15, also talking about public health. You know, we've acknowledged that Route County is the public health agency. We're hiring a public health director. Um, I've seen some other comprehensive plans, um, uh, language in the plan talking about public health. For example, we talked about extension of the core trail. You know, I see that as a public health amenity. I look at Blackbird Drive, I see that as a public health amenity. Playgrounds, and so as we um, you know, uh, evaluate proposals, and we have this master plan to help guide us. It seems like public health, health and well-being of the community should be a consideration in the decisions that we make. And I just don't see that in the plan right now. What's your definition of community? Mm. Um, the population of Brown County. County. Yeah. And I've heard a lot that all Brown County shouldn't be, and we've got plenty of health amenities. You know, I'm not sure you can have enough. Certainly, um, you know, right around here, we have a lot, but I think that there's a gap um, in some of the outlying areas. You know, I'm pretty excited about the new trail that's going in around Oak Creek. Um, I initiated the process of that Hayden Gulf Trail Loop getting switched over to a trail in Hayden where I work with Peabody. Um, but those are the things, you know, to me are important um, 
public health components that, that I think that would be important to be included in a plan in the thought process as we consider proposals. A thing I can add to that, I mean, thanks for the explanation, that uh, maybe add to the end of that sentence as it pertains to land use. I mean, just going through the Steamboat Springs Community Plan approval in 2004, that there were certain agencies like across the street and, and uh, United Way that were like, well, we're part of the community. We want to be part of the community plan. And then there were changes that they made that had to go through the planning commission. Bill, Troy, you might remember a couple of those. And you guys are scratching your head. Now, why are we going through this? It's not land use because it was in the community plan. So I, I think everything Scott said was valid, but I would just put bookings on that that it adds it because we don't, you guys, you guys don't land use. Who else in this uh, group, Scott? In our group, then the group that I'm leading, um, Chrissy. And uh, Gio Romero from Road Bridge. Um, Mo, although Mo's in another group, and so his participation is sporadic. Um, Todd Hagamu from CSU Extension. Mo's the emergency services director. Okay. Good job. I've got one thought I'd like to throw in here. I think that when we're talking about you know looking at broader demographics, it's not just number of people and population growth. I mean, I think we really need to step back and figure out kind of what's what's happening in the world in terms of workforce. I mean, I, I think you're right that there's this tendency to think, oh, if you have a professional job, you have to work at Steamboat, and so maybe you have to work in Pittsburgh, or live in Pittsburgh and drive in. Um, the fact is, across the world, uh, more and more jobs, it's becoming irrelevant where you live. This is where the broadband comes in. <laughs> and that's why the broadband, I mean, what if in some future world we could have professionals that lived in some far off place like Clark actually do their work from yeah. home? I think we already do. I, yeah. Well, I, I have a satellite, Gecko now has a satellite office in Oak Creek. I walk yeah. to my office now. I save a bunch of money on fuel, which is the company's money. And I'd add to that, Peter, also, I mean, this came up at that conference, and that was that, um, you know, it could be because of climate change, you know, the climate may not be as harsh as it used to, but there are more people coming here to retire, right? Sorry, what so, did you say? I couldn't hear you. So more people coming here to retire? Oh. And I think, you know, we have a high quality of life, and if you're location neutral, and you can pick a place where there's a high quality of life, I mean, I think that we're a desirable <coughs> location. There's a lot of them. Well, and it's true of my family and several in, in South Route. It's, retirement's not a <coughs> Still continue. My, my wife has a national um, arbitration mediation practice, um, and so it doesn't really matter where she lives as long as she can get to an airport. But she does need high-speed internet, and uh, we, we don't have that because we're around the hill in Yampa. <laughs> but it's expanding, and I, you know, we put up a new air quality monitor up in North Route Charter, and I see that it loses um, <coughs> connection every once in a while, but they're telling me that there, there's, you know, there's things in the works that's going to steadily improve that capability in some of those areas, and I think we can probably expect that to continue to some extent. The, the problem in most places has been that if you let, let the market do that, 
you're going to find that the people up the road at the flat tops, the the, the market is going to say, nah, it's not, it's not uh, economically feasible for us to provide those kinds of services up there. Which this, is this one's covered under number five, right? Mm -hmm. And we've given that a thumbs up. Mm -hmm. yep. Correct. But it has. I think it has to really do some more, some broader thinking about what are the workplace trends and how we could really add probably a fair amount of tax base with people who like living here and have jobs that doesn't matter where they live. They do need the connectivity. Yeah. I'm such a person, not that I'm relevant, but <laughs> in this past week I've been in Blanding, Utah. I've worked in five different counties and six different, or two different states in the last week. Yeah. But you like living here? I, I like it. Yeah, I like you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is where I'm always living. Administrative report. Oh, that, that was so it. Nothing else on the list. Can, can I just make a couple of comments about mm -hmm. the list? Um, I, I think that really we might have just scratched the surface. I mean, I think there's a lot of other elements that we haven't talked about. I think it's a great start. Um, I feel like. Maybe we should consider getting some technical assistance. Um, and I know that DOLA is an organization that maybe can provide that assistance and also um, some funding assistance to go along with that. And I, I just think that we should explore those things um, just to make sure that we end up with the best possible product. Um, so that's one of the suggestions that I have. I have no idea what you just said. So some technical assistance. What does that mean? I mean, this is a this is a heavy lift. This is a big bite. Um, as staff, we're all pretty busy with our everyday jobs, and it seems like to me it might be a good idea to consider getting some outside assistance to review what we're doing, make sure that we're asking all the right questions, and touching on all the things that need to be updated. That's, that's and there's the assistance. Plan. There's assistance out there and funding assistance, and so funding assistance we didn't know about, but it would be a discussed with the board of county commissioners that uh, you know we would tackle the first phase, and then once we have some stuff, bringing on a consultant. <coughs> there is our our point of contact, Dollar Greg Winkler. Um, it would either be him or somebody on the Dollar staff that. That does training, you know. That actually, a couple of years ago, I'm not sure if anybody. I know Steve Warnke went, maybe a staff or two actually went to Silver um, Silverthorne because Dola was there doing like this planner 101 training or planning commissioner 101 training. So we put it's been four or five years. Put the word out at that time, and uh, most planning commissioners could make it. But it's something along those lines. It may not. I think that was just kind of the overall welcome to the world of planning. But Scott's right, there is, from what I understand, DOLA training available, you know, for those eight of you that haven't been through this before to hear from, you know, from some of the experts here from the state. And there may be funding available as well. Uh, I know they have a technical assistance grant. I don't know how this, that would be kind of this process, but. I'm just saying that this is a heavy lift. If we want to do this right, it seems like we should be exploring all the avenues that we have available to us to make sure that we end up with the best possible product. 
Um, Agreed. Let us know what they are. Because my, my understanding was, it, it, with the commissioners, we were going to have outside assistance. Right. I think that's further down the road. Agreed. Yeah. Yes. Once once we get through. Yeah, this, po like this late, part, late this phase fall. one, is putting together our scope of services, which means putting together our list that we think that needs to be updated, and, the perp and we're going to take that out to the community as well. Once we compile this list, we're going to use that as the basis of how big of an update is this going to be, and what kind of outside services are going to be necessary, which we've already heard that there's interest to hire a consultant to do that. Um, but in order to do that, we need to put together the scope of services of like what, how big of an update this needs to be. Right. And it seems the way I understand it that we might have some resources that could help us make sure that we fully developed that piece. <coughs> and, and all I'm saying is is that we should explore it. I'm not yeah. saying that we need it. I mean, I don't know. Right. Um, and then, I mean, I wish more department heads were here because um, I, I feel like that we need to be involved. Well, they, and, I, and they will be. I mean, they made that announcement that the uh, department had brought back meeting last week that once we, you know, basically get into this process that you know, that we will be involved in, you know, each one of the departments, I mean, because I can think of many of them, you know, who may not deal with land use directly, but will provide comments, um, you know, like they do on applications, but in the master plan step. So we're just not there yet. Well, and Scott, I appreciate your staying in your, in your comments, but it's the first I've heard of a lot of the questions you brought up and I don't know if you feel like compiling a list or just topics or what it is that, I mean, it seems like there's a lot of things on your mind that you would like to at least see discussed or topics for discussion. And I would personally like to see that if you give it to staff or whatever, and then they could distribute it, you know, to, be better prepared in this review or, or scope. And, and I'm just concerned about what we're missing and we're not thinking about. No, and that's and, and good so that's, input. that's where that technical assistance to me might be important. Well, I think it's good input, and it can it'll either get in or get out. But right. that's that's our option. Right. So, so yeah, I'll work with these guys. But without the input, I don't know if it goes in or out. So. Okay. Next meeting. Administration report. What's up? Oh. Yeah, so. Andy wants to speak. So the, the plan is basically now that, okay, so we've got the list, we've discussed it, and it's time to move forward. So, Christy. Some of okay, I'll keep going. Uh, it's time to take it on the road. You know, so Chris will get together and we'll we'll get meeting space. You know that we'll go. Next steps. You know, last time we did one south route meeting in Yampa felt left out, so we'll do a mm -hmm. Yampa Oak Creek. You know, we'll do one in Hayden, do one up at the state park headquarters in Steamboat Lake, and then kind of a wrap back up here. And then at that point, uh, maybe the, the, the school. 
check with the Northrop Charter School if they've got a space. Mm-hmm. I was really cramped at the state park headquarters. Okay. You can inquire. <laughs> and then I also, and I've talked to Chad about this already. <laughs> yeah, Glenn Eaton. Is that, Let's go to Glenn Eaton. <laughs> <laughs> is that, you know, I have regular meetings, monthly, quarterly meetings with various groups, and um, I think that we'll have more success. I, I want to I say that maybe some of those meetings weren't very well attended. Um, but if we, you know, bring you guys into the monthly Upper Yampa Watershed Group meeting or the Basin Roundtable meeting or the Yampa Valley Sustainability Council meeting, and mm-hmm. that um, maybe that's another way to generate some additional input. Right. To go to existing meetings when people show up on a regular basis. Done? Done. Andy, update APCC. <laughs> yeah, so Troy, I asked that I do an update. I got to attend my first APCC meeting. It was very, uh, it was interesting. Um, I'll read you it. I, this is the email that I wrote to Christy after it. Um, I said, hi, thanks for the opportunity to participate in the APCC. I'm very ignorant of the position of Route County as it relates to this plan. I'm sure this is obvious to you. <laughs> to be more prepared, I'd like to rest, request a hard copy of the plan. Could you also include a copy of the UGB and IGAs relating to the APCC? I just work a little bit better with paper than I do on this. And then I had a procedural question about, so the plan is 15 years old. There's a hundred and something action items. And I believe we just kind of glanced over it for the purpose of moving forward and said that the plan was still valid and I would again question the validity of the plan especially as it relates to the upcoming annexation questions and the UGB questions that I have um, it is dominated by very few by few strong personalities and I was also left with the impression that they just wanted like the meeting was the discussion of having the meeting go longer than an hour to an hour and a half was a big deal and so I feel that there's not enough time being dedicated to it now with that said instead of meeting just quarterly we're meeting monthly now and so we have an upcoming meeting so this will help kind of push it forward a little bit more um, you know I was left with the impression that the impacts of the decisions and actions made in furtherance of the plan are limited to the immediate area around an encompassing steamboat. You know, is this the case? I mean, I would argue that the impacts to the rest of the county are not just limited to the arbitrary boundary line of the plan. There's like, there, a comment was made about how the funding dollars for road improvements had to stay in steamboat because everybody comes to steamboat and the county shouldn't waste money on improving access to the growth centers. And I let it go for a minute, but then I was like, well, hey, wait a minute, if they're all state highways except for stagecoach, so, you know, or Clark, you know, but if we have these growth centers, like maybe Steamboat is mismanaging the funds completely and improvements in other areas should be considered. And so I, I, I need to do a lot more homework to be better prepared for the next meeting but I, I 
I think that the Steamboat Springs Community Area Plan needs to be looked at completely and re-looked at because I don't know that it's still valid. Was it adopted by both the city? Yeah. Oh, yes. About <laughs> 15 years ago, and it hadn't been reviewed, and then... <clears throat> Like I said, it had it had been reaffirmed four years mm -hmm. ago. Yeah. Was that? Barnett. Still with us. You know, so and oh, really? it was this big list of things, and I, it was just a very disjuncted. It was like a first date. Well, the the, the plan was set for it, uh, and it might have even been seven, eight years ago when we started the the amendment process, and the the beginning meetings that we had with the community I mean we you know got the word out we went to many different places if you had if you were an organization and you had a meeting we wanted to be on your agenda you know we went to Sun Pies and, and stroke you know started our conversations with the people down there you know but what happened is once everybody checked in in the community and said okay you guys are doing a good job they went away and, and, and the city didn't take that as, hey, we're doing a good job, like the community just told us. They said, we can't complete this adoption process, this amendment process, without community input. They already had it. And then so they pulled the plug on the amendment process because they couldn't get people to show up. And I tried to tell them, it's because they said we're doing a good job. Why should they invest all of their time in showing up for all these meetings if we're doing a good job? Mm. You know, and, and, and so the city backed out. They said no, and they didn't do it. So yeah, I, I would agree. It's it's time now. One yeah. well, but, but focus on the Massey plan first, though. And then, oh, totally. Yeah, but the ABCC is. I don't know if it's useful anymore. You know, there was this really interesting was, like. Excuse me, real quick. I, yeah, yeah. I got a babysitter. Cool. Careful. There was an interesting comment that was made about a new development at the base of the mountain and that the developers didn't even use all the density that they could use basically because of the cost prohibitiveness of going taller. Like once you go over X number of floors, the cost of adding elevators and all that, it just astronomically increases the price and so there was no reason for them to seek the density that they actually could have gone after and I was like that that like struck me as wow. You know, but there is that that's construction driving some of that. And then I had a question about and I made a comment about it and I think Chad maybe might have misunderstood me, but so we promote verticality, but in the master plan we're we're promoting and preserving the Western rural character and so which at what point does at how many stories does thirty stories doesn't meet with the Western rural character? The master plan is meaningless within the city limits system. No, it's not, and that was my point. Is because the master plan <laughs> is, is the overriding document. Not, not, we just talked about this. No, no. no. you didn't and, and say I, city. We you it, said is it the overriding document over the subarea plan? Over yeah. the over the county. No, yeah. but if if there's a conflict between the two documents, the subarea plans. Gutter. The sub area plans have the detail. Yeah. I mean, you, you couldn't have the master plan without the sub area plan. You know, it, it all, nothing, they're all supposed to work together. Springs, it's going to follow our master plan, period. It's the kingdom of Steamboat. And that, that struck me as 
it struck me as weird. No. That a no, municipality. It's never, it's never been that. Wait, it goes state, county, oh, okay. municipality. No. We'll discuss no, that. No, county and municipality are on the same level. County and municipality are on the same level. Interesting. And the school district. They're all three separate they, governing bodies. They exist as equal powers. More or less, yeah. yeah. And, and when you read the master plan, it, it actually says that um, in the beginning when it's talking about the different um, growth areas, that if something is within that vicinity, those plans take precedence. So then the document is no longer a guiding document. Again, it's like a very, there's a, I'm, I just feel a disconnect. I could, it's just me, and I could be wrong. It's just you. <laughs> Andy, let's go. And that's the end of it. I mean, this, the, the master plan of yeah, County has to do with Steamboat Springs. Well, 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 and I would like to look into more of the legislative acts of it. We can sit here and say, well, you can go argue right, state law right. or whatever you want, but I'll tell you what it's happening, and that's the city of Steamboat Springs has nothing to do with the master plan of Route County. Period. So, so. Period. Andy, think about having a tourist event where maybe we're going to brand cabs at the base of the ski lift for all the tourists to come and take part in. Mm -hmm. Doesn't work. It's not. It's not but Western what agriculture. Part of your tall building is that if there's more density within the, the growth centers, then that leaves more open space not in the growth centers. So it's no. totally compatible. The technique I understand. The, the what the goal of that technique is. If you but, want to just argue, we're 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 adjourned. I'm not arguing. We can argue, but this feel free to hey, I got arguing. I got administrators. Because you're trying to tell me that the master plan of Rock County has something to do with the city of Steamboat Springs or Hayden or Oak Creek, and it does not. Hang on. Period. Jail yeah, wins the next meeting. So it's yeah. only covered unincorporated. That's right. No. Since June 20th. I got sidetracked by Mr. Yeah, it's two weeks from the Yeah, it's two weeks. So the 20th, we've got um, Alpine Mountain Ranch LPS major amendment. Uh, it's the only thing that's on right now. And uh, nothing scheduled after that. Um, the only item at the board, really, um, that they had discussed following your recommendation was the gravel matrix. You know, because I had a, a talk with them, and they were wondering why you guys were talking about it. And I said, because I had some questions and brought you guys all up to speed on what it was. And the conclusion was, it could be a good document if it was simplified. And you guys can be a tool, you know, to help you next time you get a gravel pit. And then after some discussion, the board agreed with you. Um, but they said, staff, don't spend any time on updating it until we get a new, an application for a new gravel pit. So, if and when that happens, um, at the same time, we'll <coughs> charge that applicant, but we'll um, streamline the gravel matrix and, uh, and that'll be part of your staff report. Yes, no, 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 no. no, no. Okay. All right. That's it. Are you done? Now I'm done. Microphone's <laughs> on. <laughs> So, Andy, you can have the floor for the rest of the evening. I don't need it. <laughs> <laughs> like I said, I'm just asking questions. You can answer them or you cannot.